You, 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 you. We are recording. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Unsportsmanlike Commentary. It's DC, and I got Tyler, and he's ready to go the fuck off. So, Tyler. Ooh, okay. What do you got for All right. Me? All right. Look, man, this is a football fucking podcast. Okay. Yeah. We get on here once a week to talk about NFL matchups, and I'm really, really sorry that I have to start out on my fucking soapbox about something that's completely non-football related. And I'm, I'm going to try and limit this to two minutes so we can get to, get to the good shit. If you work for United Airlines or you know oh God, someone who works know. for United Airlines, I want you to know you are a complete piece of fucking shit. Fuck you. Fuck your airline. Not only, just every which way you can find out, find a way to fuck up somebody's travel, whether it be for leisure, military orders, whatever it may be, you find that every single fucking step of the way. Not only do you cancel flights over shit that, I get it, we're not mechanics, you're not a mechanic, I'm not a mechanic, we can't control that, but guess what? Hey man, you're keeping me in Detroit for two days. How about a hotel room? And you turn around and tell me that's not your problem. The fuck it isn't. Then I wait those two days in a fucking hotel and I get on a fucking plane to go to fucking to Houston and then back to Fort Hood where I fucking where I'm back at now. Finally, I hand you my fucking bag to check on to the airplane going, here you go, get it under the plane and get it to fucking Colleen. Guess what? You fucked that up too because you looked at all four of us today that were coming off the plane and just went, Meh, your, your bags aren't here. Okay, what the fuck? Fine. The, but you turn around and look at us and say, okay, look, give us your baggage number, give us contact information, and we will try to get it on the flight from Houston, the last flight from Houston to Colleen tonight, and we'll get it, we'll deliver it to you. Okay, that last flight to Houston was a fucking hour ago. I call United directly to the fucking airport and I go, hey, motherfucker, where is my bag? And then they turn around again and make it my fucking problem. My problem. Here's a fucking number that you have to call. And it's not a it's not a direct line to Houston airport to try and figure out. It's a fucking 800 number here. Here. Here's a number that you can call to figure out your baggage situation. Fuck all of you. I want you all to swallow fucking glass and go play in fucking traffic. Now let's talk about some fucking football. So, uh, I'm, I've actually had pretty good experiences with United. I've never had a bad one, so I don't know. Shut guess, the fuck up. Uh, Shut the yeah, fuck up. Sorry to hear. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Well, let's go ahead and shift the focus uh let's travel over to some football conversation and we got to start in thursday night's game we had two young quarterbacks going at it we had joe burrow and trevor lawrence jags and the Bengals, and it was a game that was honestly far more entertaining than i ever anticipated it to be and i want a free burrito uh from that game so that was nice too so um Tyler, I know you were kind of like getting kind of fucked over and traveling while this game was going on. Uh, well, how, how much of this game were you able to catch? So I was only able to catch the last three or four drives of the first half. Um, uh-huh. So I didn't get to watch as much of that game as I possibly wanted to because you're right. I was in limbo in between 
Detroit airport and finding a fucking hotel. Um, but I mean, what I saw, I mean, in the first half was kind of like, dude, I, I don't understand the polar opposites we're getting this early in the season. Like just a week ago, Joey Burrow was beating the fucking brakes off the fucking Steelers and then turns around and puts up no first half points against the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer leading the front. I, I'm not surprised by the outcome. Like I, I, obviously I would have had the Bengals to win it, but I also would have had the Bengals to cover the seven and a half point line that it, the, that it was at game time. And it was at that seven and a half didn't move. It was at seven and a half, pretty much the whole week. Um, Fantasy wise, I'm happy fucking James Robinson had another really good fucking day. Um, his first two weeks were uh, a little unnerving for people that drafted him at RB2 value after the rookie they drafted went out for the season. But he's put back two really two good James Robinson back to back performances. Um, DJ Chart going out, he's out for the rest of the season, which means I believe. Fantasy wise, if you if there's no way I, I have a hard time of believing he's available in many leagues to begin with. But um, if there's anybody you want in that passing attack for Jacksonville, it's Shell Not Jr. You want him on your roster, especially with DJ Chark now, who is no longer going to be competing for targets. Shell Not is the guy that that Trevor Lawrence is looking to going down the field. Um, and as far yeah, as the Bengals, a nice, real nice dimes to him uh, in this last game where he was scrambling, yeah. got him for I think some like 30, 40 yard gainers. So I think it happened twice. Um, he was he was he was one yard short of a hundred yard performance. So uh, another good show out for him. And I think going forward, like, are the are the Jaguars going to be a good team? No. Is Leonard Shell not going to be a top ten wide receiver in the NFL? No. But Leviscus Leviscus is his first name. Whatever. Leviscus shell not right Chanel Chanel what you know man look hey once you know you should know it's all right <laughs> I, dude, I'm already ready to hang up the fucking I'm ready to fucking click leave meeting but that being said there's plenty of fantasy relevant people on really bad teams because the points are going to have to go to somebody yeah yeah and, and, you know, and, and these are kind of cases where uh, even though it's up in the air what these teams will produce any given week, you know who the who has the roles in, in the volume games. Like, so uh, Mr. Yeah. Robinson there with uh, Jacksonville, like, he's going to get touches. He's going to get the volume. Um, whether or not the, those always translate to good games is, remains to be seen, but um, the volume is definitely there. I, I'm going to say this. Um, Joe Burrow is – like I, I remember last year how good he was to start off as a rookie. You know, he he looks great as a rookie, very composed, great poise. Um, he he looks like a star. Like he is he is looking really really good out there, and you can't even blame the first half on him because he was an eight for twelve. You know what I mean? Like it's not like he was missing passes. They just they just weren't running plays that were taking advantage of the Jacksonville uh, weaknesses. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that when you saw them go five wide out, and I know you didn't watch the second half, but essentially they just went five wide sets. Like they had the, the running back line up as a wide out, and then they'd actually motion him to the backfield, or they just send it with five with, uh, with him lining up as a fifth receiver. And that they that gave Jacksonville fits. Joe Burrow was able to just pick them apart. 
Um, and I think he had over 200 yards uh, on like something like 80% passing and uh, pair of touchdowns there in that second half. And he looked good. He looked really good. So uh, I think Joe Burrow is a legit star in this league. I 100% agree with you that Joey Burrow is going has the potential to be the next big name star quarterback in the NFL. Um, but I also believe if it were just about any other team in the NFL, excluding the Jets, you had he was afforded the luxury of playing a bad Jacksonville team to be able to go five wide for the entire second half, like. You're not going to you're not going to have that type of uh, that type of freedom, knowing that you can probably convert, knowing that, hey, we're not running the ball. We're going five wide like the Jaguars are a horrible team. I think you can get away with that against Jacksonville, but can he do that against? And I, and I mean, I'm saying this knowing like they beat Pittsburgh last week, but yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's quarterback situation is a fucking nightmare. But with that, can you do that against against a, a, a Pittsburgh defense? Can you do that uh, a Tampa Bay or an LA Rams defense? I, me personally, that's not, and that's not me talking down about Joe Burrow, but sending zero blitzes for Jacksonville is a much different story when you've got Tampa Bay sending zero blitzes at you. Well, I mean, we just we just watched it last year in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, true. But we also, I mean, look, I'm not saying he, he he's going to be winning a championship this year. I'm saying he, he's a legit star quarterback, like no no question yeah. about it. And he, he's a guy that uh, if you need him to make the right play and you give him the time he needs to make the play, he's going to make it. Um, and that's all you can really ask for from quarterbacks, especially at that age. Uh, he reminds me a lot. His style reminds me a lot of uh, Steve Young, actually. He's got a little bit of scrambling ability. Uh, but he's always looking up and always looking downfield and always looking to make that, that big play uh, uses his legs to scramble for more for uh, to extend the play as opposed to rush for yards. Although he can do that as well when, you know, when he needs to kind of kind of very Steve Young-esque in his style. And uh, I, I got to say the biggest surprise for me out of the Bengals this year so far has been their O-line. The play of their O-line has for the majority of halves this year have been pretty solid. There's been a couple that are not great in the first half against the Jags. Um, and there's been a couple other times they've been a little iffy. But considering how bad, atrociously bad they were last year, they have given Joe Burrow a lot more time and support and protection in the pocket to be able to make uh, the plays. Because um, he has great vision. And if you give him time, he's going to pick you apart. Sure. And but with all that being said, he – I'd say it's close to 50% of that time. It's him. It's him buying himself that time for the exact reasons that you just said, like, yes, he's not taking a lot of hits. He's not taking a lot of sacks or quarterback pressures. Mm -hmm. I'm more or less putting that on, on Joe Burrow than I am the old line. I, I, I disagree. Cause you're also seeing the Bengals run game stepping up this year, as far as production and volume of yardage. And that, I mean, that also contributes to obviously the amount of pressure you're going to be able to get on the quarterback. It's very different if you have to respect the run game and you do with Joe Mixon and the success he's had to start the year. Uh, so I, I would definitely say that that O-line has really helped step up and create those opportunities. Uh, are they the, the best O-line in the game? No, but I think they're at least average. And that is a big step up from where I thought they were at the start of the season. 
Okay, but last year you have to remember that Joe Mixon did rush for over a thousand yards behind the O line that got Joey Burrow murdered. Yeah, so, a thousand yards over sixteen games isn't you know that's nothing to you know write home about. It's, that's a good good running back. But um, I, there's a lot there's, of bad. I mean, Chris, Chris Carson behind what was I think the the worst rated uh, O line in the league last year got somewhere in the same production. He was close to he was in the six seven hundred range because he missed time too, but. All that being said, if you're Cincinnati and you're looking at what Joe Burrow is doing and you're that front office and you go, you can look at that O-line and be like, oh, yeah, they're they're performing above expectations. That's not – but you shouldn't stop there. You arguably – and I, even though he has showed out early in his rookie year, I still personally believe I've, I've, that they made the wrong choice at six. I still think at six, you've got receiving options. You have receiving options already. It's not like A.J. Green left and you're left with absolutely nothing in the receiving core. You have Tyler Boyd. You have T. Higgins, who you took last year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think in that situation – with the O-line that got your former number one overall pick absolutely murdered the year prior, he's the, he is the future of your franchise. And Penny Sewell was still sitting there. That's who I still would have gone with. Even, even watching Jamar Chase now, mm-hmm. even watching how he has showed out and he has proved a lot of the doubters wrong with all the preseason worries of him, like all the drops he was making through preseason and all that shit. I still think they have – and Auden Tate. Auden Tate is, like, arguably the best wide receiver four in the NFL. Like, that guy could easily be your wide receiver three if you went did not go with Jamar Chase. But I think that was more the Bengals listening to Joe Burrow as to what he wanted as opposed to what the right decision ultimately should have been. And – and that's fine. If you want to listen to your quarterback and let him have that input, good on you. I mean, look what's happening in fucking Green Bay. Now you got your future Hall of Fame quarterback who's not going to be suiting up in your jersey next year for the same fucking reasons. Yeah. But well, here's here's what I can say about the Jamar Chase thing is uh, I, I'm I'm getting ready to eat crow on that one because I was in the same boat you were, where I thought they should have invested that draft pick into the uh, no line. And maybe maybe the people there in Cincinnati knew something we didn't about how that O line was coming along or or something. Um, but right now, Jamar Chase is looking like a great draft pick. Uh, it's hard hard to argue with that. I mean, he's he's looked fantastic. Like, and he he's got that that next level. Um, there's there's a certain elite quality about him that I get um, when I watch him. That that intangible. Now I think he's going to be um, a legit number one receiver. Which I as good as the guys, the rest of that supporting what receiving cast in Cincinnati is. I don't think any of those guys, um, including Tyler Boyd, uh, have that that ceiling that Jamar Chase has. And I didn't realize this ceiling until I've seen him play these few weeks, and he's incredible. I agree with you. I, I But at the same time, I feel even if Jamar Chase ends up being offensive rookie of the year and puts up 1,200 yards, eight to nine touchdowns, even after all of that being said, I don't think there's going to be much crow to eat off that decision unless they make it into the divisional round of the playoffs and Jamar Chase is that reason. 
I still firmly believe no matter what Jamar Chase does, you should be spending your early round picks to start quarterback. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm going to argue that unless like uh, legitimately, the only time I will differ that argument is if Jamar Chase had exceeds like a Justin Jefferson first year in the league. Mm-hmm. All right. That being said, uh, we need, we do need to uh, get to the games that we got coming up on Sunday and we're going to start with the morning games. First one up here, Washington football team against the Atlanta Falcons. Washington is a one and a half point favorite. So far, both teams off to disappointing starts. Washington one and two. Falcons also one and two. Uh, the big thing out of Washington is, you know, they have that incredible front four. They have just an, a very solid front seven all around. And they have not quite performed to expectations this year they have not been applying the pressure you saw josh allen just absolutely dismantle that defense last week and uh it's is this the week that that defense shows up um no i don't believe so i i like i know that front four that front four is dominant their back half of that defense has been very suspect and has gotten torched. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Washington in most fantasy drafts was a top five defense coming off the board. Yeah. I took, I took Washington in, in our money. Mm-hmm. I just dropped him. Yeah. Because not like you look at, you look at their schedule, you think about them, you're like, well, they played the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants twice, so those are all somewhat favorable matchups. I don't know about Dallas anymore. Oh, no, I would not take Dallas as, as, for a defensive matchup, no. As to their schedule, too. They have to play Kansas City. They have to play Baltimore. They have to play Denver. Mm-hmm. They have to play Chargers. Like, those are not favorable matchups for the fucking football team when they're not being able to start – they're not – they have a collective in our standard format league six fantasy points through three games that's why i was okay fucking getting rid of them and i'll just stream defenses for the rest of the year that's fine but um i mean look man like this you say both teams are off to disappointing starts the football team in my opinion is off to a disappointing start Mm -hmm. the atlanta falcons are off to an atlanta falcon start yeah yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with saying that. Uh, I do think, though, that this is this is a great opportunity for Washington's defense to, to get on track because as much as – I think here's how I, here's how I see the game flow going. I think in the first half you're going to see Matt Ryan uh, find some find some nice plays, uh, hit up Calvin Ridley, uh, hit up Kyle Pitts, right? He's going he's gonna to get some, some gashes. But the thing is, Matt Ryan – when you pressure him throughout the throughout the game, he just doesn't have that mobility, and he's just at his age. He is a very easy target uh, in the pocket, and it, when that Washington front four starts to wear down that that Atlanta O line, I think that you're going to see a second half where Matt Ryan gets a lot of pressure, and you're going to see maybe like a 150 200 yard first half followed up by like a 50 yard second half. That that kind of a game. That's how I anticipate this one going. Washington's one and a half point favorite and yeah i i feel like i mean you i definitely see a scenario where the falcons could win and washington continues to severely underperform but i feel like i have to take washington as as the winner in this one i am and I'm, to cover I'm, and to cover obviously a one and a half i'm gonna agree with you i'm also gonna take washington um 
It's just this is one of those games where the Falcons could just fuck up and end up winning. Yeah. yeah. And like if that if that Washington defense like and Washington also gets a big piece on offense back this week. Curtis Samuel's off the IR. He mm-hmm. is slated to play this week. Curtis Samuel, obviously, the couple year he was with the Panthers for a couple years, comes over to join Ron Rivera in Washington this offseason, gets hurt through training camp, misses some time, but he is active this week and he is a dual threat guy. He is a he is a guy you can stretch out wide and he's a yeah. guy you can backfield because they were doing it in Carolina. Right. So and they already have Antonio Gibson, who has a lot of the similar quality. Antonio Gibson is more running back first, receiver second, and Curtis uh, Samuel's kind of the flip opposite of that. But you have two guys that defenses have to worry about being multi-purpose uh, threats there, uh, receiving and running the ball from the backfield. Um, yeah, I think it's a great observation that Curtis Samuel's back, and he's definitely something that defenses are going to have to be prepared for. Yeah, and, and just, I mean, another one more offensive weapon to help uh, uh, a Taylor Heineke that we're not seeing that we did. I mean, I get it, it was one fucking game. Anybody can have one game. Mm-hmm. Hype was real on Heineke coming out of that divisional loss against Tampa. Um, and he got a two year deal out of it too. Uh, but it, the, the, if you can add more weapons available to him uh, in the passing and the running game, I, yeah, I agree. I, I just, I don't, I'm worried about obviously the 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 Matt Ryan Calvin Ridley thing hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. And he's who he looks to first. I am a little worried about how the Matt Ryan Kyle Pitts relationship isn't really developing the way most people saw it because Kyle Pitts off of his hype was being drafted as a top 5 tight end. He doesn't have a touchdown through the first 3 games. He's only, I think he's only had one 10 point game. And that, and I believe that was even in PPR format. I don't think he's even surpassed 10 points in standard format in a game yet this year. No, but he's had, he's had a, a fairly decent floor, though. He hasn't, had, he just hasn't hit a good ceiling. And uh, the tight end position, I think you do need to find the end zone forever, going to stretch that ceiling. And he hasn't been able to do that. Although there, there have been a couple of close shaves uh, with touchdowns. Yeah, he's flirted with it, hasn't happened. Um, but I mean, uh, I think that you got to look at this and you got to say, yeah, on paper, it makes sense that what Washington's taking this game. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, Next one. So this is a one and a half point spread. Next game has a 17 point spread, which uh, is the biggest spread of the week. And it's the Texans against the Buffalo Bills. Now, we, we've seen Buffalo already put away a team they're supposed to beat uh, Miami 35-0 once Tua went down that game. It was, you know, they beat a team, the, uh, a bad team, the way they were supposed to beat a bad team. And I'm not saying that Miami's necessarily a bad team, but without Tua, yeah, they. I'm sorry, but they are. And, uh, and you saw them beat the brakes off the Dolphins. Can they do it again against a severely um, un, under, you know, overmatched, I'm sorry, I should say overmatched, Texas squad, 17 points is a lot for a cover to, to bet on. That, that's a big, that's a big cover. And I remember the Bills last year, like, you know, barely beating a Jets team in a game where they only kicked field goals. It was like 18 to six or some shit like that. Um, and oof, I don't think I can take the line. I don't think I can take the line. Question lies. 
because this is your team, mm-hmm. are you willing to take that 17 point spread? No, I don't think I am. Like I, I would maybe I would take 14. 17 is that is a lot. That is a huge spread, and for an NFL game, that is that is. Although the Texans, though, I mean, they do look really bad right now. Like they look really bad right now. So that is it's tough. But I don't think this is a game I would they look, even touch look, betting on. Tyrod, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like when Tyrod was the starting quarterback, yeah. yeah. now Tyrod it's look good. Now it's Davis Mills, and you just, you just don't know. You don't know what the fuck to expect with Houston. I'm going to take the line. Yeah, I mean, it's not it – it's why it's there, right? It's to make it difficult. <laughs> I'm taking Buffalo plus 17. I think it's not even going to be close. See, the only way I would bet this game is if I needed something to throw onto like a parlay ticket and I just wanted something safe just to add to kind of increase my odds on the parlay. And I would just take the money line. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even touch, touch this game betting uh, individually. But uh, I mean, Bills look, Bills look after last week, look at they, they're starting to find their groove. Um, and this is a great opportunity for them to kind of keep that momentum rolling. Uh, the defense from the Bills, I think, is something that um, as, Two years ago, the Bills had a really, really uh, solid defensive squad. Last year, they returned a lot of those players. They didn't produce those well. They definitely saw some dips in uh, def- uh, defensive efficiency and stats across the board. And this year, they're kind of back to the form they were in two years ago. So I know that a lot of Bills fans, like myself, have to be excited about that. And hopefully it's, you know, uh, something that keeps up. We don't uh, we don't know yet. The level of competition aside from that Steelers game hasn't been great. So we'll see how... We'll see how it goes for the rest of the season for the Bills. This is about as good of a game as any to keep your offensive momentum rolling. Josh Allen just had a monster game. It was, a, I think, five touchdowns total, four in the air, one on the ground, 350-ish passing yards. I think 348 was the final number. And it would be – I mean, I don't think he's going to get that again because there's a very good chance he's not even throwing the ball much in the second half. Um, but I definitely think that the Bills win this one comfortably. For, it's for every point you just made that I am changing my decision. Um, I'm not going to take that 17 point line anymore. Such a big line. Such a big line. I. It, it's not that I don't think because what 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 was the difference in score? Like, how much did y'all win by last week against Washington? It was double. It was like 22 or 21. See, it was like 43 to 21, I think, was the score of that game. Or 41-19, something along those lines. I think it was like a 22-point deficit. That was Josh Allen's big coming out party for the 2021 NFL season. Something something within me tells me he's going to take a step back. And not saying, like, he's going to be less of an effective quarterback, but much for what you just said. Yeah. I don't see him putting up five total touchdowns in this game. I see them getting a lead early and Mm -hmm. control clock because I mean, you can't go out there and in, I mean, having Josh Allen throw the fucking football up three scores in the fourth quarter, like Mitch will probably see a a large chunk of time in the fourth quarter again, like he did uh, last week against Washington. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I do. I wanted to take that line so fucking bad, but I can't do 17. I, I don't think even going back to last year, we ever had a line that was at 17 fucking points. That was a huge line. It's like, I, I get it. Davis Mills is Davis Mills is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. Mm-mm. And he probably never will be. But they can move the ball. And they can fuck around and find a way to keep themselves within those 17 points. Because, I mean, you look at the production drop-off, and this would be the only Houston Texans offensive player that you can start with any type of confidence is Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, yeah. He's been he's been incredible to start the year. Well, who he was doing it last year, too. Like, you remember the last the, – yeah. the, the, half of last season he was wide receiver six uh-huh. i get it that was with deshaun watson and i i got it but that's still a dysfunctional organization brandon cooks is the only viable guy he has to throw the ball to yeah i mean you got a cavalcade of fucking running backs you talk about running back by committee being a fucking nightmare it's a nightmare for teams like San Francisco. It's a nightmare for teams like, like Baltimore right now. Those are good teams. You want those problems mm-hmm. with good. You got running back by committee with a team that's potentially vying for a, the number one overall pick next year with Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and fucking, um, oh, I'm missing. Oh, David Johnson. David Johnson, yeah. You, you just don't know who's going to get the fucking ball. Like week one, Mark Ingram, I think had 21 touches, 21. And I immediately got on the next podcast and said, he's not going to get those touches ever again yep. in that. Not going to happen. It'll be Philip Lindsay one week. It'll be David Johnson. The next you can't, but none of them are starting caliber like whatsoever in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can't – so Brandon Cooks is the only guy you can really think about starting in that in that Houston offense. And then you flip it over to – or excuse me. If you flip it over to Buffalo, you're starting Josh Allen, no question. Stephon Diggs, no question. Here's the real question, though. And this is a – I mean, we – this was almost a weekly topic for us last year. Who is going to be the fucking guy in the backfield? I think that the last two weeks, I mean, every year, Buffalo, I don't know what Buffalo's thing is with trying to make Devin Singletary the guy. See, he isn't like the, we, we always start the year like, hey, we're going to we're going to roll with Devin Singletary as a guy. And then eventually we get Zach Moss touches and he produces better. Right. Like he gets the, he has a nose for the end zone um, and he has had two back to back, very nice um, fantasy games. Uh, he's had three touchdowns last two games. And I, uh, I think he's. I actually have him identified as a as one of my um, uh, sleeper plays this this uh, this week. And I think that you got to roll with Zach Moss. That that the, he has been unquestionably the the more productive back when it comes to getting first downs and touchdowns. Um, and Devin Singletary's fumble problems are very legitimate. Not that Zach Moss has been immune to it either. But Devin Singletary has it just he I just feel like he is just digging himself into that doghouse and it's getting Moss more and more opportunity. 
here is why I disagree with you. Devin Singletary has made his money to keep his, not even fantasy relevance, starting running back relevance in the NFL over the last two years. It's that he's taken advantage in, in games where they're facing super, inferior opponents. Mm-hmm. And Houston was the worst against the rush last year, and they lost pieces and didn't replace them. I think this could be the game where Devin Singletary fucks around and breaks off a 60 to 70 yard touchdown. And he ends up being the fantasy superior for this week. I agree with you. Zach should be the guy going forward. He's the more effective running back. He's the more effective pass pass catching running back for you guys. I don't understand why Sean McDermott is, is is being so fucking trigger with just going, fuck you, Devin. It's Zach Moss time now. It's right. a lot like a lot like the Kenyon Drake Chase Edmonds fucking shit we yeah. were dealing with. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Very similar situation. Um, I, I, and I honestly, I actually think that this is a game where if there's a game where both Bills running backs are playable, like this, sure. this might be the the week to do it. Um, yeah, I, I think either one of them could you could have very well have a case where Devin Singletary breaks off a big play and Zach Moss still vultures a uh, score as well. Uh, especially if, you know, the bills are in the, and if the bills are in the, the red zone in the fourth quarter, Zach Moss is probably going to get a touchdown. Cause they're probably not going to try to run um, Josh Allen and, and risk him getting hurt. Although that being said, who the fuck knows? Like I've seen the bills take way more chances than uh, we ever fucking need to ever on certain plays, but enough about this game. It's going to be a blowout. Question is that I think we all know the Bills are going to be leading at some point by at least 17 points. Question is, are they going to finish the game 17 ahead? That is that is a really tough, really tough ask. I, I'm taking the under. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna take I'm gonna wait. Texans get a late garbage time touchdown to cut it to less than 17. All right, our next game uh, has I, I think has the potential to be an upset pick of the week. Um, it's. It's, I actually am going to take the underdog in this one, but it's not my upset pick of the week because I have another one that I like even more. But Lions at the Bears. Bears are three-point favorites, and they have a quarterback who, I mean, God bless his soul. We, we, the, we are wrong a lot on this podcast. Like, we, 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 we swing and we miss. We were both spot-on accurate about what would happen uh, with uh, Justin Fields against the Cleveland Brown defense. Like, we, we could not have been more accurate. And we said this would be the game that Miles Garrett would come out and absolutely manhandle him. And he came out for four and a half sacks. The entire Cleveland team, they, I think they had nine as a team, right? And it, it went exactly according to plan. And not and Detroit doesn't have anywhere near, anywhere near that kind of defensive firepower, uh, especially in that front seven. But man, you you have no reason to believe that Justin Fields and that Bears offense has any kind of rhythm, any kind of momentum coming into this one. And it's hard for me to take a team that looked as bad as it did last week uh, to, to, to win a game. And not that the Lions have been anything impressive, but the Lions, despite their 0-3 start, they, they do what the Lions do, which is they, they look good for three quarters and then they blow it. And I think against the Bears team that has not shown any offensive firepower, I think that that is um, – I think the Lions, Lions are going to pull this one out, even though they're three-point underdogs. Um, okay. 
as far as you're right, the Cleveland Browns had more yards and sacks than the Bears had in total offense that entire game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they averaged one point yard, one point one yards per play. Mm-hmm. That is a by far worst in the league. In I wouldn't be surprised if that's worse in NFL history. That a lot of people wanted to throw that on Justin Fields. It's not his fault. No, no. You know whose fault that is? Matt Nagy. Matt fucking Nagy. Nagy had fucking he you can't throw the same game plan for Andy Dalton. That you can for Justin Fields. Andy Dalton's not mobile. Andy Dalton's not going to pick shit up with his legs. Right. You can't. You you afforded Justin Fields no no type of pass protection whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you, and in the same breath, like you went you went five on the line every single fucking play. He was dead to fucking right. Like Jadavian Clowney had his first game of looking like he should have been a number one overall pick in five fucking years. <laughs> you want to talk about Miles Garrett? Jadavian Clowney was in his face all fucking day. I I, I gotta say it, it, the the Bears O line was very disappointing, but I, I think you're you're spot on with the the, the play calling. And I, I've been I've been very critical of Matt Nagy over the years. I think that just his overall offensive creativity is just very stunted. But they don't have he has nothing going as far as run game uh, concept goes. Uh, his run game plans are very simple, very easy to uh, to plan for. His uh, passing game, like you said, he, he essentially had him as a pocket passer. And with a guy like Justin Fields, who is mobile, who has um, kind of a variety of skills at that quarterback position. You got to be running a lot of um, uh, pass read options. You got to be running a lot of screens. You got to be giving him opportunities to make plays with his legs and his arms and get him out of that pocket where he can improvise a little bit because behind that O-line, he's not going to do shit. He's not going to do shit. And the O-line is a weakness. You got to recognize it and you got to game plan around that. And they didn't clearly didn't even bother doing that with the Cleveland game. That, that might've been the most horribly coached game I've ever watched ever. It was, dude, it was to the point, so that last week, so week three of the the NFL season, I was in Detroit, well, I was in Michigan. I had cable TV in my room. The only two games I had available to watch, the two early games were obviously the Lions and the Ravens because I was in fucking Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then it was Cleveland and, and the Bears. And I could not take my eyes off of that fucking game just watching how fucking not how not just how poorly matt Nagy coached that game just the 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 unnecessary beating that justin fields took like you don't do that shit to someone you invest your future into like that that you're either doing that like dan orlovsky went on espn the following day and said you're either doing that because you're and I'm paraphrasing, but you're either incompetent or you were doing it on purpose, which I don't understand why you would be doing that on purpose. You're already on the hot seat to lose your fucking job, just like your fucking GM. Mm-hmm. But why you would send him out there against one, uh, 
Cleveland has a top three defense in the NFL. Why you would do that to him and afford him? You're not pulling any tight end tight ends in for added pass protection. You're just letting him go out and get fucking slaughtered every single fucking play. And all of all of those arguments aside. You think about how bad like you're right the Bears O-line is below average. You Pat uh, Matt Nagy's run designs are simplistic. They're not yes. That that speaks more of a testament to David Montgomery. David mm-hmm. Montgomery I think he was top 7 top 8 running back mm-hmm. fantasy finish mm-hmm. last year and he's put up fantasy relevant games excluding last week. I just I I cannot believe how that organization is being run and how Matt Nagy even really has a job after the way he served up his first round pick to be the fucking just get slaughtered. Yeah, it was it was stunning incompetence, and I, I really do believe it's incompetence, because um, no one could be that cold hearted, right? Like it was stunning incompetence. And now here's the thing too: when you have the talent in the backfield of a, a Justin Fields and David Montgomery, and then you have a receiving uh, core with like an Allen Robinson and and Mooney in there. You have you have talent at your skill positions. Like it is ridiculous. Even if you have a battle, like yeah, O line makes a huge difference. And yes, the Bears O line is bad, but oh my god, you can still plan around a bad O line and at least get something productive. To average what well, I think you said one point one yard a play, that is atrocious that means that you are that means that in four downs it is fourth and six every time like you are doing fourth and seven fourth and six and that is ridiculous that that is what you're averaging give me the lions on the upset that's my upset pick of the week it was one of the two i was considering you you made the point that the lions okay you were right for week two and week three when you said they played well for, through the first three quarters right. and then just Right. And, and I mean, I know that's not every game this year, but that's just what the Lions do for the past lifetime. I've been alive to watch them play. They, they, they hang around and then they lose, but I don't Jared, think this is a hang around game. I think this is a game that they're just the better team. Jared Goff is like, I mean, kind of got the shit into the stick yeah. by traded to Detroit. But I mean, dude, you're talking about if the refs call a, delay a game on that game winning field goal, mm-hmm. which it should have been Detroit beat Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. And they have hung around in all three of the games they played so far. And you had, you had, you had San Francisco week one, which I, you hung around. It was all garbage yeah. time, but it, you hung around, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. I, they played the Packers week two and the first half. Yeah. Detroit, great. Until Aaron Rodgers woke the fuck up and remembered who he was, and then you know week three, I mean you're. I was like, oh shit, is that number twelve of my jersey? Oh, oh I'm Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I got stuff no. up there. That's exactly what he did. <laughs> you're like, but your your one penalty call that should have been called in your favor away from yeah. from beating an AFC contender with quotation marks. Yeah, I think with how the first three weeks have gone for them, I just see, I think, I think Justin Fields is going to go into this game completely defeated. He didn't know he was going to be the starter until today. I I just, I see. And 
to his credit, Jared Goff has been able to move the ball and be able to put up points on offense. I, if, give me the lines in this one. I'm so far. I'm three and zero on upset picks. Yeah. I'm. Three, no, you, you, you've been great. Yeah. Um, so the thing about Jared Goff is he's not Matt Stafford, right? Which like Matt Stafford is so much better, but Jared Goff is a competent NFL quarterback. Like he is a competent NFL quarterback. Um, he, he's, he's just not an elite talent by any stretch of the imagination. And, but we've definitely seen Goff have some very, very productive outings in his career. And in, and, and he's had a very winning career. Like he has a great record as far as the starting record goes. Part of a huge part of that is because he's played on some very good teams, obviously. Um, but He's a competent quarterback. The Lions have some really nice uh, pieces coming in uh, on the skill positions. And uh, DeAndre Swift has looked great. J.J. Hawkinson, obviously, is J.J. Hawkinson. He, he, he is an awesome tight end. Um, and we're seeing a couple of receivers step in. So, yeah, g- give me the Lions for sure. Uh, I mean, like I told you this is I, – I, I can't help but agree with you, but this is uh, – I'll give you this is your upset pick. Um, and let's go to the Panthers and Cowboys. Cowboys are four-point four favorites, and I, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Panthers are going to be relying here on Chubba Hubbard, good old Chubba Hubbard. And if you were able to snatch him up off the waiver wires, my, like no. you did, Tyler, you got to no, be sir. excited no, about that. No, sir. There's no snatching him up off the waiver wire. I grabbed him before the season even started. I there's no snatching him up. If you snatched him up off the waiver wire, you're either 0-3 or 1-2. You're not sitting 2-1 and in the pocket seat of the playoff push. But no, I grabbed his ass well before the season started, just banking that CMC was going to get hurt. But that's not the point. Go ahead, sir. The point is the Cowboys are four-point favorites. And I... I got to say, I like that line. I like it, and I'm taking it, and I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys. Their, their offense has looked fantastic, and their defense has been competent, and not just competent. Their defense is among the league's best right now at forcing turnovers, and that is definitely something I can see becoming an issue for the Panthers as well. So Panthers 3-0, and uh, Panther, uh, Cowboys 2-1. and I think that we will have two 3-1 and teams at the end of this week uh, after that game, so – Give me the Cowboys. Give me Dak. Give me that receiving core. Give me Zeke. He's starting to show. And I, I said week one. I said week one when he had a horrible outing um, statistically because he actually played a very effective role in that game in blocking uh, for Zeke. Uh, excuse me, for Dak. But Zeke looked good even that week. I, I'm telling you, he he's looked healthy. He's looked in shape. He's looked quick. He's looked agile. And he is starting to realize he can't steamroll guys in the league anymore. He's got to look, he's got to uh, find other ways to beat people. And he has done that. Give me the Cowboys. I agree with you. I I'm also going to take the Cowboys and I'm going to take the Cowboys to cover the line here. There's a, okay. There's a couple, there's a couple issues I take with some of your points. Yes. Zeke has looked healthy. He's looked quick. Can he sustain it? And I think a, a big chunk of the reason why he's been able to sus- sustain the level even this early in the season, uh, that split share between him and Tony Pollard oh, is drawing. About Tony Pollard, he's so good. It's drawing closer to 50-50 every fucking week. So it's not that, like, it's not that Zeke is returning to form. It's Zeke is 
getting a hell of a lot more time off the field and he's not being asked to carry the load like he was in his first two years in the NFL, especially behind an aging O-line. Um, I think I think it's got to be right now in the league, though, maybe the healthiest and best O-line currently, especially with Quentin Nelson going down um, over there in Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, I wouldn't say best. You can argue they're a top three for sure. I mean, I mean, they got their guys back. They're all healthy. They're, they're looking, they're looking great. And, they and do, Dak looks great. Dak looks fucking great. They do not have a better line than Cleveland. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, so, I, I could see Cleveland. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll give Cleveland, you Cleveland. I'll give you Cleveland. Far out in the way has a better fucking no line than they. Um, but I mean, they are like, I'm not, and that's not discrediting the Cowboys. Like they're, I mean, a two point, their, their one loss on the season was a two point loss to the defending Super Bowl champion is the opening week of the NFL season. And Dak's first game back since his gruesome injury yeah. where he looked fantastic. He did. Uh, I, I just, I, I have my doubts with, with, with Sam Darnold in this game. And you're the Cowboys. Not only are amongst the the league's best, they're number one in takeaways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the side of the ball. Now, how much of that is? How much of that is the shift um, at defensive coordinator? It went from Mike Nolan to uh, Dan Quinn, mm-hmm. and Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for Seattle through the the, the Legion of Boom. Right. So, sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, Diggs is not Richard Sherman or yeah, he's, he's not, but I mean, they're taking the ball away and they're putting up fucking points. And I just, I don't, especially being out CMC, like, I don't, I don't see where the points are going to come from because I think, I I don't think the Cowboys are going to be fooled by how the Carolina Panthers line up Panthers line up. Robbie Anderson is the one, but it's DJ Moore doing all the fucking damage. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be fooled by that. I do see, I, I think the, the Cowboys can be vulnerable uh, to uh, running backs coming out of the backfield and pass catching situations. I, I do see Chubba Hubbard putting up, a good fan, like a good RB two fantasy day, because I think that the volume is going to be there. You, you've got forty touches up for grabs in that offense with CMC being out. It's going to go to somebody, and Chuba Hubbard's next in line. So I think the volume is going to be there for him to put up a couple of fantasy relevant weeks because CMC is expected to miss at least two to three weeks. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I we talk about the Cowboys defense. It's not going to be locked down by any means. They're going to give up points. But what they've shown, at least through the uh, start of the year, is they're going to get a couple, a couple of takeaways. And with how good the Cowboys' offense is, with how much firepower they have on offense, uh, if your defense can get you two or three takeaways in a game, you are likely going to put up more points than the other team can cover. Simply put. And so, yeah, give me the four-point spread. I think Cowboys win this one by about in that seven to ten-point range. Um, I think it, I think the it'll be a close game at halftime, and the Cowboys will inevitably pull away. That, that's kind of my my view on, on this uh, game flow. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, let's, uh, let's look ahead at the Colts and the Dolphins. 
two teams with very underwhelming starts to their season. I know the Dolphins were were talking about trying to challenge the Bills uh, for that for that next uh, for you know who's going to take over that division. Uh, I don't think they're in that conversation anymore, especially with Tua being out for a few more weeks. Colts are dealing with their own uh, issues. Jonathan Taylor has not looked great to start the season. Quentin Nelson just got put on the IR list. Uh, one of the best offensive linemen in this league. And you got to wonder what's going on with the Colts. Like, are they starting to panic? Because they've been in a lot of these games. They're 0-3, but they haven't been, like, bad. They haven't looked horrible through stretches. Uh, that being said, the only thing consistent right now about the Colts is their kicker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, you're hundred percent on the money. Like, no, Jonathan Taylor has not lived up to his first second round draft hype. Uh, and he has a questionable tag going in tomorrow. Um, but I mean, he's, he is expected to play. Um, and I, I, if I were to pick a game where I thought, a, a little more of a Jonathan Taylor coming out show would be, it would be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami, Miami's good against the pass. They're very vulnerable against the run. Um, and I, I mean, you look at the Colts, man, Carson Wentz was like, this was supposed to be like Carson Wentz's reincarnation into right, the his redemption, his redemption. Yeah. Like, hey, you're coming to the Colts. You're getting, your old head coach, you're getting Frank Reich back. Yeah. You're getting this was the guy you had your MVP caliber season. And yes, he's had to deal with injuries and he, he two ankle sprains, which I like I've been an NFL fan for my entire life. <laughs> I've never heard of a quarterback having two ankle sprains. You've got two of your most important pieces on offense, Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz. Three ankle sprain ankle sprains. <laughs> like I've heard of that shit uh, i think i know quentin nelson's is i and i think once is that they're all high ankle too right quentin nelson's is a high one of carson wentz's is a high the other one's a low Got so okay. but yeah. Car- carson's never gonna stop getting fucking hurt if he doesn't like dude carson wentz like legitimately offers himself up for fucking murder every single play like i love that fucking do everything for the fucking do everything to move the chains type of mentality. But at a certain point, dude, you haven't been able to stay healthy your entire fucking career. And, 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 you know, it's in the back of his head because I think we talked about this in last season's podcast. It, when we watched Carson Wentz of this year and of last year play, there's a certain indecisiveness that you see in him uh, at times. And it's, and I, and I think that the, the injuries have got to be playing a factor into that. Um, Cause he does not look like the same decisive um, and like uh, bold at times quarterback that he was uh, previously with the Eagles uh, these past couple of years. So I, I don't know, but Miami's a two and a half point favorite in this one. Miami has, doesn't have two up Miami. That being said, looked okay. Last week um, didn't look terrible last week. A lot better than Owen 35 that they put up against the bills. Right. So what do you think is going to happen to this one? I'm going to take Miami in this one. Jacoby Brissett, like, yeah. I mean, you rewind the clock two years ago. Jacoby Brissett was a starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Jacoby Brissett is one of, in my opinion, he's a top three backup quarterback in yeah. the NFL. 
available. Yeah. He's he could be a starter in the right situation like he was in Indianapolis. Um, I mean, he had an awful showing against Buffalo, but I mean, at the same time, like he wasn't going into that game expecting to play. Right. Right. No, it's, it's, it's very different when you have, um, uh, you know, a full week of practice as the, as a, as the number one back uh, there on your team versus if you're just practicing as the backup and it's um, yeah, it's a huge factor. And, and I, I think this, you look at this and it's one of those things where I think Jacoby Brissett felt like when he was, when he was uh, filling in for the Colts after Andrew Luck retired out of, you know, kind of, I'll say out of the blue, even though it's very justified, I feel like, you know, from Andrew Luck's position, Jacoby Brissett uh, had some really, really good success with the Colts. And I think he feels a little, I think he feels, he's got to feel a little jolted by the fact that they, they didn't view him as a long-term um the you know candidate for them and this is his opportunity this is his revenge game right this is his opportunity um and with the Colts being down on their best offensive linemen uh when they're already having struggles with their run game uh yeah I I I think the Dolphins are going to cover that two and a half point line yeah I I agree with you I I think like Brissett struggled obviously against Buffalo but I mean got Miami to overtime against the Raiders who are a very surprise, surprising three, and know, and I, I just, I, I, I have more faith in, it, it sounds really bad. I have more faith in Jacoby Brissett right now than I do in Carson Wentz. And it, that, that sucks because I mean, Carson Wentz, you're right. He like, this was his reincarnate. Like this was his, this was my comeback year into the NFL. And like through training camp broke his fucking foot. Yeah. yeah. So that in, you're right. That injury shit in his mind is always going to be there. It's anything in live games or in practice to where I can't stop getting fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's going to hinder him for the rest of his career. I think maybe he personally, I, I think maybe Carson gets one more year with the Colts after this. And if he doesn't turn his shit back around, he is probably done in the NFL. Yeah, no, I, I think that he has enough name recognition um, that he can stick around as like one of those guys were like five years from now, you're like, Oh shit, Carson Wentz is still on this team. Like he's still in the NFL. You know what I mean? He's like this backup that he never gets mentioned. And then like, you know, the first two quarterbacks go down and then Carson Wentz is again, like, Oh shit. He's still in the league. I think that's, that's where it could go. I, I think he is going to stick around, but I get what you're saying. Like he, he is quickly, quickly uh, being, the being viewed as no longer a starting caliber quarterback and uh yeah i don't know i don't have much faith that the Colts are going to turn around this year um it's i mean i know that you were really high on them going into the start of the year and it yeah i don't think this is gonna it was more it was more their defense than than anything and just like washington has just been so underwhelming as has the run game. I think that's the other part too. Is the run game has been underwhelming. I, I agree with you, but at the same time, like when your quarterback can't move the fuck, when when defenses can sit back and know, hey, your quarterback isn't getting shit done through the pass game. Mm-hmm. We don't have to. We, okay, so good. We don't have. To, we don't. We'll just stack the box. 
We'll just stack the box. You run it. Cool. Oh, if not, we are going to pressure the shit out of your quarterback and make him make the play. Carson Wentz does not have that special playability like he did two or three years ago. And I think a lot of teams are keying in on that right now. And, and that's something I, I don't want. I don't want to see Carson Wentz just fade off in the distance because like he's, he was so fucking electric three years ago. Mm-hmm. He was, but at the same time, like, I don't agree with you. I don't think he will be a career backup. I think if he can't make it work with the, by the end of next season, not only will he have the injury tag next to his name, like this dude cannot stay healthy. So how can we depend on him being the backup to someone who could potentially get hurt? I, 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 there's, there's just too much drama that comes into it with it. Like, can he mentally – come into a game and like not fuck himself over because he's afraid of getting hurt even though he's fucking laying his body out and he's offering himself up to those injury opportunities every single fuck no i agree i think uh miami is a two and a half point favorite they're going to cover that two and a half point line and it's ironic it probably matches the number of high angle sprains that carson Wentz is going to have by the end of the game so um So we both got Miami covering this line. Let's look at the Browns and the Vikings next. Uh, Browns have been are two and one. They've 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 kind of struggled through this two and one. Like they haven't looked great at all times, but the, you definitely see flashes of this team. And I mean, there there's so much talent on the Browns on both sides of the football. Um, and then you look in the Vikings. They're, they're one field goal. One should have been made field goal away from being two and one. And uh, they've, they've played against some decent competition the Vikings have to start the year, and they, they've been close in every game. They've only been able to pull out one. I It's one-point spread, so people are torn on this one. I'm not as torn. I, I feel like Cleveland has to be viewed as the favorite here. Um, it could, could the Vikings win? Yeah, absolutely. But I think Cleveland has to be viewed as the favorite, especially coming off a game where they just had nine – nine sacks you know that d-line is just they're 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 feeling in rhythm they they're feeling good and they're going to be putting pressure on a very vulnerable very tackleable very sackable kirk cousins i'm uh i'm torn because i feel like cleveland cleveland's on the road this week cleveland could very well fuck this up coming off of performance um, and I mean, Minnesota is coming off of a huge fucking win against Seattle on the road. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just not enough cards to stack in the Vikings favor though, because. And Dalvin Cook's questionable still. <laughs> uh, signs are pointing to him playing. He practiced every day this week, but he does still have that questionable tag on him. Um, and. That being said, I mean, well, I mean they, they were able to win without him in. last week. They were able to move the ball with a lot of ease last week with Alexander Madison being their RB1. Yeah, um, but, I mean, that, that they, they moved I, the ball all year. That hasn't been the issue. The, the issue is, is their defense because they're putting up 30. They're giving up 32. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, what, that's what the Vikings have been doing this year. Yeah, and that's – and that's where I lie with it. Like the Browns are so good on both sides of the ball. Like 
Yeah, there's an argument to be made to where the Vikings could potentially pull an upset out upset out here, but I'm I'm not going to buy into that, and I'm not going to go with that either. I'm going to take Cleveland at one. I would probably take Cleveland at three. If that if that line moved to four or five, I would probably take the under though. Yeah, I think at one point you you gotta you gotta take Cleveland. Um, but. That being said, the Vikings do have enough talent on on the offensive side that they can they can definitely keep up uh, and stay in games with just about anyone. And uh, I think that the Browns are not quite, especially with Baker, you just never know what kind of game he's going to have. The Browns are not quite reliable enough. This is a game I would avoid betting on, period. But I do like oh. the Browns. I do like the Browns. And and you're you're right, like. Minnesota ha- can move the ball and has moved the ball with a lot of ease through, but at the same time, what they lack is where Cleveland is their strongest and it's in their defense. But mm-hmm. like, I'm at a one point line. You're basically betting. Do I think Minnesota can move the ball or do I, am I betting that the Browns can stop them more times than not? I'm going to take that Browns 11 man on defense and it's it's really it's really not even close. No matter who's suiting up in the backfield for yeah. for Minnesota. Yeah, let's uh, look ahead to the next game, which we have the New York Giants, who are a heartbreaking zero and three. They they you, I think feel like Giant fans have to feel like that, that. How is it possible that they haven't won a game yet, given the the amount of opportunities they've had to win games this year? And you got the Saints at at two and one with uh, Jameis. You never know what the fuck I'm going to do, Winston. And, um, I mean, you, did you see that, that that touchdown he had last week where he just threw the ball up? Like, I think there was like, you know, first and uh, uh, 10 or 15-ish. Uh, they were about 10, 15 yards in the end zone. He just threw it. And it, it's it's the kind of play where that, that, that the, you know Sean Payton had to be pissed about that throw. And it, the fact that it worked did, doesn't didn't mean it was okay. Like it was just such a bad, and that's just, that's Jameis for you. He, he would rather take a shot at maybe getting a touchdown than than take the sack, right? Like that that's Jameis Winston. That that's who he is. That is a by the book definition Jameis Winston throw. Like yeah. take it back two years to when to, to when he was in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brait, OJ Howard, Ronald Jones Jr. He, he led the league in passing yards. He had 30 touchdowns, but he had 30 fucking interceptions. Like, that – that's why I – it is so hard to pick on the fucking Saints this year because we're coming into week four. Mm-hmm. Week one, Jameis was great. Week two, Jameis was awful. Week three, Jameis was good. He was good. James was, was lucky. <laughs> Week three, he was lucky. He was not good. He was lucky. But at the, this is what 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 what's what's coming in week four? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be great? Or is it going to be fucking awful again? I, uh, I think the Giants are just good enough defensively. So right now, New Orleans is a seven point favorite. This is my upset pick of the week, and it has to do with I believe that the Giants' defense is a more reliable consistent bet than Jameis Winston is on offense. I'm surprised when you said that you had two games that you were deciding on upset picks. Yeah. I'm 
I, this was one of them. There's one more on the slate that I thought that I was keyed in on that I, I'm actually kind of surprised. Um, I don't agree with you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take the Saints. I'm going to take the Saints at the under, though, because I do agree that the Giants defense is competent enough to hold them within a seven-point line. But at the same time, I haven't seen – a heartbreaking 0-3. Okay, the Giants should have manhandled Atlanta last week. They were given – Daniel Jones in that offense was given nothing but opportunity after opportunity to be able to put up points, and they consistently fucking failed. Yeah. That loss I, – I, dude, good on Atlanta because they should have won that game. If It would be more of a story, honestly, with all – the opportunities the Giants had in that game to score, take leads. If Atlanta had lost that game, in my opinion, it would have been more of a statement against Atlanta than it would have been the New York Giants because the New York Giants had consistent opportunities to score. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, they, they had, and they weren't able to capitalize Daniel Jones. Just, um, you know, he has flashes where he looks really good. And, but, he, he also, I, he, I don't get that. Some quarterbacks you just trust. You trust that they're going, if a play is going to go south, it's not because it's not going to be because of them, that they're going to do what, whatever it takes to make the play work. Right. Like Daniel Jones does not ha- inspire that in me. Like I do not have confidence or faith that he is going to get the job done when they need it. Um, but he is going to, to still have some great moments in games because he does have talent. He does have skill. He just hasn't quite put it all together yet. Uh, but, but the Saints, I mean, I, I look at the Saints. Look, the, here's how I view the Saints. They're going to have a great game and a bad game the, the, every like every other week. And it's they, they're two and one. They're due for a loss. Like, I'm sorry. That's that. I know that sounds like incredibly simplistic, but that is just how I view the Saints. I get it. Um, I, I But what what's leaning me towards the Saints in this game is I think the week – Last week, their win against the Patriots was the more ba- more type of balanced New Orleans offense we were used to seeing last year, where it was Alvin Kamara dominated. Yeah, I, I think I think Kamara is going to run on that fucking defense. They had the, the Giants were a middle of the pack defense last year, which was a surprise. They, they were an upper middle of the pack. They were borderline top ten defense. I, I get that, but at the same time, there's nothing about this Giants team that inspires me to think that they're going to be able to pull this one out, especially when you have to flip the field and you've got the Saints who are a good defense. They're much better against the pass than they are the run. I will give you that. But I'm going to put my trust – not. No, I'm not putting my trust in Jameis. I'm putting my trust in Sean Payton and Alvin Kamara. Those are the two – that are going to be the difference in this game. I do. I do think it'll be close. I think it'll be closer than a seven-point line. I'm going to take the. I'm, I'm going to take the Saints at the under. All right. Let's go on to the Titans and the Jets. Uh, the Jets have looked just. I mean, um, they, they like look the bad. Jets. They look like the Jets, and yes. you know, again, they, they don't have Adam Gase, so it's already a better year than last year. Um, I don't care if they're on three. They don't have Adam Gase, so there's that. But they are still have a lot of problems, and uh, the quarterback play, obviously, with Zach Wilson back there, 
he he's he's had some good moments, but he is more or less struggled. Uh, and I think just about any rookie quarterback on that team would struggle. I, I don't think anyone uh, from this rookie class would be doing good. By the way, this rookie class, I feel like, is definitely underwhelmed. Um, and last year's rookie class between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, I don't think – I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. But right now, last year's rookie class is looking like it has the better quarterbacks between uh, Burrow and, and Herbert. But time will tell. The, 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 you know, the, 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 we're four weeks into a season that these young guys haven't had a chance to play. But their stats have been atrocious coming into this week. The, the rookie quarterbacks have nine combined touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Um, so that that's not good. But Titans on the other side of the ball have, do not have a rookie quarterback. They have veteran Ryan Tannehill. They have Derrick Henry, who is just fucking Derrick Henry still. Like, he is amazing. It is so incredible watching him play. Uh, Julio Jones starting to find some love in that offense. Um, He's out. Is he out this week? Julio is out this week. He's out this week. Well, that does happen. A.J. Brown. That explains why the Lions is, is as close as it is, because it's only six points in favor of Tennessee. I don't think that matters, though, because the, the guy that they need at the end of the day is Derrick Henry. Like, you, you don't need good receivers to, to run play action. You, you just need halfway decent. And they have they still have decent receivers behind um, behind their top guys. Um, and even Fersker and whatever the fuck tight end's name is. Um, Derrick. Derek Henry's going to run all over the Jets. Give me the Tennessee Titans to cover this line. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, a, this is one of the no-brainers. Like, Zach Wilson, and it's, I mean, if you're streaming a D, if you, if, if you need to stream a defense this week, I guarantee you Tennessee's available because Tennessee has been bottom of the league in as far as defensive production. Mm-hmm. Well, the two big bets on streaming defenses this week were the Bengals and the Jets. I'm I'm very happy I did not go with the Bengals because the Bengals got some points put up on them. I don't see the Jets doing that. The and and Zach Wilson has not looked good. Zach Wilson had one good quarter, and that was the fourth quarter in Week One against yeah. Carolina, where it was nothing but garbage time. He has since, since that outing in week two and three has a combined four. And I mean, four fantasy points, four, that's it. And he's a starting quarterback in this, in the NFL. Trey Lance has more than that. Just, he has more than four points just from last week. And he took two offensive snaps. I don't trust I, I don't trust the Jets. It's it's because they're still yes, Adam Gates is out of the building. They're still the Jets, yeah. and that that for whatever ungodly reason they refuse to try and build a roster around a quarterback. They just get a quarterback and then think the quarterback's going to fix fix the fucking problem. Right. Like if you're, if you're spending a first round pick every three years on a quarterback, you have like that is the issue. Is you need to build. You need to draft like. As much as we talked about the Bengals and how we disagreed with taking Jamar Chase at six, and we thought we should take the O-line, at least they're taking someone to support the quarterback. Even if we disagree with the direction, it's still someone, Jamar Chase still helps to make the quarterback a little bit better, gives them a weapon. Sure. 
they, they're just taking new quarterbacks. <laughs> and that's, you have to, you have to, at some point decide what kind of identity you want to have, because here, here's the fact there are very few NFL teams that can be completely dominant on both sides of the ball teams by and large get known for being good in certain things, right? Uh, the Steelers have a reputation for, for their defense, right? The Ravens have a reputation for their run game, their defense, you know, every team has their own reputations. The Jets have a reputation for sucking. They need to find something they want to own and be good at, and they need to figure that out real fucking quick because right now they suck at everything, and they're going to continue to suck at everything if they keep drafting new quarterbacks and just recycling um, draft picks, essentially, is what they're doing. They're just taking new guys at the same positions every couple of years. And th- and this is my hope for, like, like I, I don't – I love Robert Sala. Robert Sala was – the defensive coordinator for the 49ers for four years before taking the head coaching job for the Jets. If Robert Sala is going to have any minuscule type of success as an as an NFL coach, he is going to take he's going to take the 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 roster buildup that the 49ers took in t- 2017 when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch took over as head coach and GM. Mm. You game in the trenches because what did they do they they, that inaugural season with Kyle Shanahan as the head coach who was the starting quarterback Brian fucking Hoyer they built the O-line and they built the D-line that's where you win championships more times than not because you're not to Patrick Mahomes in a fucking in a draft more than once every 25 years you're just no No, you're not. And you look at all championship caliber teams. What do they have? They either have an elite front four or an elite O-line or both in the case of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that. And, you know, you look at the LA Rams, you know, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right? The Chiefs have their own line. Like every team has, well, okay. The Chiefs are kind of the anomaly there. Like Chiefs, they just have crazy, oh. crazy, crazy good skilled position players. I um, get that. I, I like, look, I'm not saying that the Chiefs are going to fall out of playoff contention or they're not even still Super Bowl favorites, right. but that's a good pass rush. Chiefs have a good pass rush, too. It's no, they're that shit's catching up to them. Yeah. They're one and two. Yeah. And they have the worst. They've given up the most rushing touchdowns, most rushing yards, and most rushing yards per attempt in the NFL. Yeah. Their, their defense is porous. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump into that game because we agree that the Titans are going to cover the line, right? We're, we're both sold on the line. Yeah. And uh, the Chiefs and Eagles are the last game here in the, uh, the Sunday morning block. And the Chiefs are uh, six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Eagles. Uh, Eagles had a pretty rough outing last week. Jalen Hurts had probably his worst game of the season. He's he's looked very good in the other games. Um, the Eagles receivers look pretty good. Well, a lot of positive things that we see out of the Eagles. The Chiefs uh, have not looked as nearly as good as you know you would hope them to. They lost to the Chargers, who I I almost took them as my upset pick last week, and I should have because they they and I said they were going they were going to give the Chiefs a hard time, and they did. Um, that being said, I, I, I do think the Chiefs win this one, but I think it's going to be close. So give me the Chiefs, but I'm not taking the line. Six I'm, and gonna, half, I'm not taking the line. I'm going to take the line. I don't. I trust Jalen Hurts 
fantasy. I don't trust Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback in the NFL for a team that has any potential to go anywhere. Um, you look at what he took over the last four games of last year. He had a broken O-line. A broken O-line means your run game's going to be porous. He, he was throwing to – he was essentially throwing footballs to deck chairs because his receiving options were garbage. He gets a Devontae Smith. Jalen Rager – I think Rager's expectation last year was to take over the number one spot, but that's not who he is or who he was at TCU either. Right. Uh, so he's finding more comfortability and getting more opportunities to make plays in space as the wider. Um, you know, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz has even shown not any fantasy relevancy, but he, I mean, he's proven. He's, he's still a, a talented player. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't trust. I, I don't, I, I, especially after the last two weeks for the chiefs, man, like, for how how ugly those last two weeks have looked for them. Yeah, they're they're gonna. I mean, they should be coming out and trying to prove something. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take the Chiefs and I'm gonna take the line. I I I think the Chiefs are gonna come out and try to prove something, but I also think that there is enough there's enough issues on that team that as much as they want to come out and blow out like the Eagles. I think they're not going to be capable to do it. I think that they have some issues they need to address. And I, I got to, I got to see them get addressed, especially when it comes to that run defense. I got to see them get addressed. And I get very nervous thinking about how these, this chiefs team is going to uh, defend against a quarterback that is as mobile as Jalen hurts is. Uh, I think that this is one of those games where the Eagles just kind of stay close. They're, they're kind of there all, all along. The chiefs are going to be able to pull it out. Um, if it was like a four or five point line, I'd probably take the Chiefs on this. But six and a half, I'm I'm going to take the Eagles as the uh, they're going to lose, but they're going to cover. We're going to move now to the afternoon slates, and we have uh, some awesome NFC West uh, matchups coming up in this one. We have the Cardinals and the Rams playing in the afternoon, and we also have the Seahawks and the Niners. They're both in that 1.05 p.m. Western time, 4.05 p.m. Eastern time slot game. Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, Niners. These are some awesome matchups. Let's, let's, let's start with your Niners. Let, let's start on that one. Okay. Uh, Niners are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm taking Seattle on this one. Oh fuck you! All right, what? Why? Give me. I. You know what? Before I say, give me your reasoning. Go ahead. So, my reasoning is is that I feel like this is about as much of a coin flip as you can you can think of. Um, the the Niners have been a good team that has underwhelmed for stretches of games. Uh, obviously, they're coming off a disappointing loss to to Aaron Rodgers uh, in a game where they started really slow. They started real slow, found the rhythm in the second half, looked great in the second half, got what they needed to do to get the, the go-ahead score, and then, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers did what Aaron Rodgers does. 
And that's the thing is that they're playing against a quarterback in Russell Wilson, who's going to do Russell Wilson things as Russell Wilson does. And I, 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 you could, you could make an argument to sell me on the Niners. You could, and you probably will, but I'm going to take the Seahawks. I'm going to take Russell Wilson. I, I think they're the more desperate team right now. And going one and three to start the year in the NFC West is more or less a death sentence. So they have to be looking at this as a must win game. Um, I think that they're looking at this the same way a team that's down two and zero in a best of seven playoff series looks at game three. It, it, it's, it's not the, the, the deal breaker, but if you don't win game three and you're down two and zero, you're, you're not coming back. And I think that's how the Seahawks are looking at this. So give me the Seahawks. I think they're going to be the more desperate team. Well, okay. You, I mean, you made a hell of an argument for the Seahawks by saying Russell Wilson is going to do Russell Wilson things like, boy, howdy. Did you, you have swayed me away from the red and gold. Oh, yeah. Man. It's, it's a tough argument to counter. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Argument because you made it. Okay. Do you want to know why Seattle has dropped two in a row? They are losing heavily in time of possession. Yeah. You are Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson is the Seahawks. The Seahawks, they live and they die by Russell Wilson's success. Well, that defense uh, cannot make any stops, prolonging drives, keep that ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. And you have a great shot at winning that game. If, if Russell it, Wilson weren't a Seahawk, would you be a fan of his? Like, how much would you like him if you were if you were uh, playing in a, in a team in a different division? So I, no, I'll tell you right now, even though he is the, a divisional foe, I actually really enjoy watching Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I really do, and I'm secretly he's the only Seahawk I root for. Like I. I don't root for him when he plays against San Francisco, but, but any, any other game, any other fucking game, I love watching Russell Wilson. Just like how you made the Joey Burrow mm-hmm. to, to Steve Young, I see a lot of that in Russell Wilson too. And yeah. it's really, really fun to watch him play fucking football. And it sucks that he just plays for the team that, well, they're a top three hated team for me in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But if the Minnesota Vikings, with their below-average defense, which is exactly what the fuck they are, can limit Russell Wilson to having the ball to 16 fucking minutes through an entire game, why do I have any doubts that the 49ers could do the same thing? The 49ers have a dominant pass rush. The 49ers have dominant linebackers. Yes, this the cornerback position is banged all the way the fuck up. I mean, Brett out for the season. Emmanuel Mosley underwhelmed in his first game. Josh Norman, who they got out of free off, he just picked off the free agency wire. Oh well, he was coughing up blood after the game against the Packers, which is cool. Uh, so, so is that the yeah. same Josh Norman that got stiff armed into the Stone Age by Derrick Henry? Are we talking about that that Josh Norman? That's the same Josh Norman. Although up until he took 
Aaron Jones's helmet to his fucking chest to which where that Josh Norman was holding his own. He, yeah. I'm not, that he's Josh not a bad, he's not a bad defensive back. He's not. But he, he was playing very well. He's doubtful to play against Seattle, which means it's going to be Emmanuel Mosley and Drake or Patrick in the secondary now. So we'll see. So there's definitely plenty on the back end that they can exploit, but I'll tell you right now, biggest, the 100% the biggest uh, plus the Niners got out of this draft. And it's not just drafting. Not only did they draft their quarterback of the future in Trey Lance, who is, I mean, I mean, he, with it without argument got drafted into the best position because he got drafted into a team that he wasn't going to be asked to start right away. He's all Trey Lance is also very mobile. He's very fast. He has a big arm. You can replicate that in practice preparing for games, which is exactly what they did against Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts excluding one 90 yard pass play would have been held to under 85 yards passing. So I, and you weren't getting that replication out of a Nick Mullins and a CJ Beathard in practice leading up to games against Seattle. You can have Trey Lance run your scout scout offense against the defense and have him play it like Russell Wilson. I, this is like, I'm it's, it's a bit of a Homer bet because I've watched Seattle the last two weeks and they look really bad. And they don't look like Seattle of old. And I watched the Niners. Yes, they have struggled early in all three of their games so far. But they're two and one. I honestly think the Seahawks lose this one, that they're going to be in a tough position to try to try to oh, be relevant yeah, in the NFC West. They're out. Like, you got the Rams, mm-hmm. who – I know we're going to get into this later. The Rams will be four and zero. The Cardinals will be three and one, and the 49ers will be three and one. They're going to sit there at one and three after four weeks and already be that that far behind. Mm-hmm. But no, it, the Seahawks will be done for this season. And I think that you know one thing you hit on the the uh, Niners' strengths. Uh, you know, like pass rushing is going to really uh, match up well against the Seahawks' weaknesses. That being said. Uh, the Niners' weaknesses match up well to the Seahawks' strengths because who who do they have that can guard DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? I, no. I don't, you know, that, that, and that's what's going to keep this game close. Um, sure. I I'm I'm giving I'm giving Russell Wilson the benefit of the doubt on this one, but I can see it going either way. You're going with the homer pick. Uh, well, it's a you're... two and a half point line, and so we're we're you're saying uh, Niners, I'm saying Seahawks. Let's look at the other game in the, in the NFC West. Cardinals and Rams, both teams 3 and 0. One of these teams has to lose, but one of these teams is going to obviously go 4 and 0, and the Rams are expected to be that team by five, uh, four points, excuse me, by a four-point margin. The Cardinals. The Cardinals are the type of team that will attempt the longest field goal in recorded history on the same week that the longest field goal in recorded history actually gets kicked. And then instead of getting that credit, give up the infamy of being the team that gave up the longest play period in NFL history 
um, against, of all teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think the biggest red flag if you're a Cardinals fan, and I'm sorry to be the burden of bad, uh, bad news here, is you should have lost the Vikings game. You should have lost. The 35-yard field goal should not should not be missed at the end of a game. I'm sorry. Anything under 40 should be automatic. Um, and the, the, the odds are very much not in your favor. And then you you go out and you underperform against a Jacksonville team that just isn't very good, although maybe maybe a little better than the record suggests. But but still, that, that's if you're in a, if you're competing in the NFC West, you got to be putting away putting those teams away early. Um, I think they were losing at half, weren't they? They were losing a half to to Jacksonville, or they were. It was close. It was, close. It was points. Yeah, and you look at the Rams, who are three and zero, are just clicking along. Sam, uh, so excuse me, Matthew Stafford has just had a connection with Cooper Cup that's on another level. Cooper Cup is, uh, I think, the most productive receiver in the league right now. Um, I'm not saying he's the best, but I'm saying just from a statistical standpoint, I think he's number one in in overall fantasy points for receivers, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um, I, I I'm wait. I, I, part of me is waiting for that to die off because I mean, like you have a Robert Woods, and he likes targeting Deshaun Jackson and and Vance Jefferson too. But I just I don't say I I don't see it. I think Cooper Cup has a very legitimate shot to end end this season as the number one uh, wide receiver. I mean, I, Matthew Stafford no, likes his number one options. He's the he's the kind of guy that can pepper the ball around to 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 you know spread the defense around. But he is going to to hit. His, he knows how to keep his receivers happy. You saw him in Detroit with Kenny Galladay, what he was able to do. Galladay looked like an all NFL Pro Bowl selection every year with, with uh, Matthew Stafford. And then we see how he's doing in New York. And <coughs> Matthew Stafford knows who his number one receivers are. He's going to feed them the ball. And he's going to get Cooper Cup the ball, period. He's, he's so good. The That Rams defense, their front seven, something else, uh, and their secondary I mean, the defense is amazing. Um, the Cardinals, while they have definitely the talent and potential to upset, I, I it would be an upset. It would be – I truly would be an upset because I fully expect the Rams to win this one and to cover the line. Yeah, see, for me, like when people – when people are talking about who are the most suspect undefeated teams – for me, the most suspect would be Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then it would be Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most people, there's one team that most people would put in front of those two as suspect when you base off of who they've played. And we'll get into their game here probably in the next game or two. But talking, we talking about the ponies. Arizona, you're, dude, Arizona could, I mean, very well be one and two, oh, and three at this point. Like, you should, you're, you're a missed field goal away from, from losing to Arizona or to, to Minnesota. And you watch any of that Jacksonville Jaguars game, you, sh- there's out, I mean, outside of, yes, you attempted that 68 yarder for no fucking reason. And it gets run back on, run back on you for a fucking touchdown. You should have been able to 
put that team away with fucking ease before any of that happened. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately, I think it's going to be a longevity thing for me because this, the, the big key pieces that they added are older, often injured players in AJ green and JJ Watt. Mm -hmm. And JJ Watts look good, man. JJ Watt. Speaking of AJ green, we, last week, you said Christian Kirk was going to be the fancy breakout guy, the sleeper. Yeah. But we picked sleepers from the same team. I said A.J. Green. Christian Kirk, seven catches, 104 yards. Great pick. A.J. Green, five catches, 115. Both guys yeah. turned out to have great games. So, hey, we, we got that right. There we go. We, we got to tear our horns when we get the chance. That's and, – and you're right. You are right. But – if one of those two could just fuck right off. <laughs> you're paying a dollar for a fucking reason. Like, could we, no. could we that? Like I can't survive three point outings from Deandre Hopkins every fucking week. I can't do that. Like not every week. I got, I got away with it last week, but it's, but it's not going to happen every week. Um, but I just, I don't dude. There's I'm way I'm way the Rams are my favorite out of the NFC right now, mm-hmm. and I mean yeah, their decisive win over the Bucks surely helped that. But dude, how the fuck are you supposed to stop this? I mean, this was an, a team. The Rams were a team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was with Jared Goff. You look with Matt Stafford now, dude. Holy fuck! Like they're scoring at ease. Yeah. It looks like like the closest comparison I can give them is the uh, was it the 2007 Patriots who almost went undefeated all the way. Mm-hmm. They, Bro, eighteen and one. Yeah. That's the closest compare. Not only are they making stops on defense, but they are just scoring at fucking will, and they can hurt you. Uh, they can hurt you ten different ways. And what's crazy is they don't even have their most talented backfield player in Cam Akers. Like they didn't have they, Derek in last week either. Yeah, they don't have a true number one running back, and they're still just making teams look silly. It's just, dude, it's so ridiculous, and I. That's that's why I was like I'm telling you, bro. Like when we made our divisional picks before the season started, why I had the Rams. This is exactly why I had them because this is. I didn't think I would see it to this level. I wouldn't have been surprised to see them lose a close game to the Buccaneers, but to just go out and just drag them in the fucking streets, dude, is just completely ridiculous. Like this team is the absolute Super Bowl favorite out of the NFC right now. I, I think that th- I think that this far into the year they have to be the the favorite Super Bowl pick. Period, like period, like across the league. I can't think of another team that right now I would rather put my money on to win the Super Bowl than the Rams. From yeah, what I, I, through 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 three weeks, I, um, I, I will say that one thing that is concerned and going back to that run game is their their lack of healthy running backs. Um, that that could become an issue as far as that they might that might be cause them to, to drop a game or two 
Um, but regardless, they are so they've been so dominant on both sides of the ball. Their defense, uh, whether it's the front seven or the or the secondary, is fantastic. They have top league players and positions there across on that side of the ball. And then you look at Matthew Stafford and just how talented he is. And he finally has an O-line that can protect him and uh, multiple receiving threats to throw to. Yeah, Matt, Matt Stafford is doing exactly what we said he would do if you put him from the Lions and onto a competent team. Yeah, it's yeah. just – it's fair. Yeah. Um, so we both have the Rams covering the four-point line. Cardinals are going to need a huge game from a Kyler Murray if they're going to uh, stand a chance to, to keep up in this one. That being said, Cardinals are a very unpredictable team, um, and they have games where they struggle to put away a team like Jacksonville, and then they have games where they, they beat teams, you know, going back to last year, they beat teams like the Bills on, on the Hill Murray. So you never know, and I, an upset could happen. Uh, but I think just like as far as logical – Let's go. You you got to take you got to take the Rams on paper. Uh, absolutely. Um, let's move on to Ravens and Broncos. Another three and zero team, and I'm guessing this is the team that you're saying uh, might be a, a bit of a suspect three and zero team given uh, their opposition they've had so far. Uh, this is the team that I was saying was the heavily favored suspect team mm-hmm. that, because the combined record of the teams they've beaten is zero and nine. Um, Which isn't I, good for those of you guys wondering. Oh, nine is not good. I, I I agree with it to an extent. Like, yes, they beat the Jets, the Giants, and the Jags. Okay, got it. Here's why I teetered with this as my upset pick for the week. That defense is real. The Denver's the Denver Broncos defense is one hundred percent real. Mm-hmm. The game is also being played in Mile High Stadium, and I don't, I don't care. I don't, of course, teammates are going to hype your, you're, you're going to hype your quarterback up. Uh, Lamar Jackson sat out practice up until Friday with back issues. Okay, that's not great for someone who doesn't have elite receiving options and a, a, a sure backfield. Who and he? I mean, he's the leading rusher on the fucking team. One good pop. Who's your backup? Mm-hmm. What what is what is the line on this game? Because I I haven't checked since yesterday. So yeah, it's it must have moved because it, it's only one point in favor of Baltimore. Yeah, so it's not even a game we could choose as an upset pick. So it must have moved since you last looked at it. I'm gonna take Denver. I'm going to take Denver in this game. I think Denver goes to 4-0. Um, I think they silence a lot of cranks. Now, I think Denver can viable they, – they can potentially, you know, make their way into a wild card slot. But when you have – when you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert now, like, you're not winning – and fuck, the Raiders are 3-0 too. I see their – probably the Raiders falling off more than I would the Broncos because the Broncos have like I guess their defense is real and their biggest Achilles heel last year was they couldn't stop turning the ball over at the quarterback position. 
Well, Teddy Bridgewater is a capable starting quarterback, but he, what he also doesn't do is make mistakes. Yeah, he, he's 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 not the guy that is going to go out and win you the game, but he's also not the guy that's going to lose you the game. He's a game manager. That's what he is. He's actually a very good game manager too. I think. Um, he he yeah no it, it's. I see the appeal in taking the Broncos in this one. I'm I'm going with the Ravens. Um, I, I I've always, I always have kind of this this inability to doubt the Ravens. Um, during the regular season, they they seem to just overperform whatever they're expected to do, uh, during the regular season. And with the, all the injuries they've had this year, they've still been great. Mark Andrews had a nice game last week. Um, we had Lamar Jackson. Uh, just is just getting yardage on the ground like no one's business i think he has currently the record for most quarterback yards through three games in the season so far uh, to start the year and i think the ravens have the experience of being a winning team i like the coaching there better than i like the coaching on the other side of the ball there's a lot of reason like the broncos but i can also come with just as many reasons like the ravens so you take the broncos i'll take the ravens in this one it's a one-point spread so Obviously, um, a lot of people are torn on on this game. The Ravens, dude, for the Ravens right now, the biggest thing for them offensively is who who's the guy in your backfield. Yeah, like, I think they've just decided it's Lamar Jackson. I think they don't even they're not even going to bother trying to find the answer in the running back game. And that's a problem for them. It that's will a, be. I think it will become a problem for them. I think in week four, it's not a problem yet. I don't know. See, I don't know that because when when you line up a quarterback and a and a running back in the backfield, and you already know that, just look back to this last week. When you've got uh, yes, they sustained multiple injuries. J.K. Dobbins, uh, 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 Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. Well, Tyson Williams was the projected next guy, and he was for the first two weeks. But then you bring in Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell. They th- that game against Detroit, they should well for start. They should have lost based off of a, a de- delay a game penalty. But you're splitting carries amongst. Tyson Williams, who got his first career start in Week One and was productive. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you keep feeding him and let be let him build confidence? Then you come up to week three where you're you're, you're splitting carries between Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray at seven apiece. They're not gaining anything over three yards a clip, and Tyson Williams only gets two carries. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And now reports are coming out that Le'Veon Bell, oh, could be active for week four. Okay, so you're adding more confusion into your backfield and. Guess what? Outside of Latavius Murray, who has was very a very effective backup in New Orleans, uh, behind um, Alvin Kamara. Kamara, Yeah. Devontae Freeman hasn't been anything since the 2016 season. And when was Le'Veon Bell last relevant? 2017. 2018, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's the thing with the Ravens. Yeah. The, I who knows what's going on in their backfield, but also it, it doesn't really seem to matter. Whoever lines up next to Lamar Jackson in that backfield is going to have product productivity. Like that's just what they've shown throughout we, the years. Not last week. And that was, yeah. against the, 
That was against the Lions. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're bringing in guys that are new. It, it's it's going to work itself out. Um, that, But see, that's my point. When you keep switching out running backs and you are not sure who your lead guy is, you keep flip-flopping them in and out, defenses are not going to be so much worried on who the halfback is. It's going to be, oh, okay, well, it's a new guy in there, so more than likely Lamar's probably going to hang on to it. And Lamar can escape, and he's fast as fuck. But when when D-lines and front sevens are no longer worried about your halfback and they only have to focus mainly on containing that quarterback, I would be willing to assume you're probably going to see somewhere along the lines of like a Colin Kaepernick type of downfall in productivity. Well, I definitely think this game has the potential to be possibly the one of the most entertaining games in the afternoon block. And that's saying something because every game in this uh, like afternoon uh, window looks good. And that includes the next game, which is the Steelers and the Packers. No, oh, I don't know about Green Bay, six-point favorites. Steelers are struggling offensively. Big Ben had, had some nice moments there in week one, and ever since then, it was, it's gone downhill. We talked about it at the beginning of the season. He, he's good usually for the first eight weeks of the year, and then the second eight weeks we see it go down. There was talk about him losing weight in the offseason, try to be a little healthier. Um, he is looking old. He is looking old old and it's it's went from he looks good for for the first eight weeks to he looks good for the first like eight minutes of a game and that's about it like that's all he's got right now he's he is the photo negative of tom brady like even that week one win they got against buffalo it wasn't him it was the special teams touchdown and defensive stops Yeah. yeah he has looked horrible so I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Green Bay, six-point favorites. Are they going to cover? Yes. Yes or no, and why? Give me the reasons. Yes, here's why. The Steelers can't – the Steelers, just for starters, cannot put up points to save their ass. They can't move the chains. The amount of times last week where – Ben Roethlisberger's number one option was just to dump off to Najee Harris. And those, those, those plays only went for two to three yards a clip. Okay. You're not going to get first downs and move the chains on those type of fucking plays. Secondly, you're already talking about a, a, a declining quarterback. Look at his wide receivers, option, wide receiving options. Deontay Johnson left the game last week hurt. James Washington left the game last week hurt. Both are kind of expected to play, but Deontay Johnson, it seems like every other week dating back to last year, he can't stay healthy. Guess who else is out? Chase fucking Claypool. He is out this week. He's not going to play. He's already been ruled out on a Saturday. So, when you already had all those three options going against Cincinnati, which I would, I would say green Bay's pass defense is better than Cincinnati's and Pittsburgh could not move the ball against Cincinnati. You're like their, their go-to Ben's go-to play was dump offs to Najee Harris. Yeah. That's all it was. And 
two to three yards of play. Okay. You're not going to move the chains very period, but you're not going to move the chains as effectively as you want to just doing those dump offs. Because I mean, if Cincinnati can figure it out within a quarter and a half of football, green Bay is going to, and you, Deontay Johnson's your probably is your expected number one. Jair Alexander's taking him out of the game. Chase Claypool's already ruled out, so you're going to have to lean on James Robinson or not James James Washington and and Eric Ebron, excluding Najee Harris. No, I do not think this is going to be close. I think Green Bay is going to steamroll the Packers. Or oh my God, Green Bay steamroll the Steelers. And I think this will be – the chatter's already started, but this will be the week where the Pittsburgh quarterback conversation really starts coming into question. Yeah, it's um, – yeah, but Big Ben is just uh, – he, he's expired. I'm sorry. The dude, like, he is – he is – yeah. He, he, cannot, he can no longer be an effective starter in this league. Um, I still think he could be an effective backup if he would ever be willing to take on that kind of a role, throw him he's in a the pinch. But I don't think he'd ever want to do that. He, like you said, he's a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame career. Um, why at that point? Speaking of Hall of Famers with Hall of Fame careers, and I'm also, by the way, I'm also taking the Green Bay to cover this line. And I think it's going to be like a, at least a two-touchdown game, at least. I agree. Um, Buccaneers and Patriots is the game that everyone's talking about. It's Tom Brady returning to new england unfortunately rob gronkowski is out for a few weeks with broken ribs so he will not be suiting up against his former team as well i would have loved to have seen that but at the end of the day it's what we have here is a a former you know the defending super bowl champions against a not very good new england patriots team and we can get all caught up in the storylines and in the drama and the relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at the end of the day, this is the Sunday night game and I'm honestly probably not going to watch it. So, okay. Let's just get something. Gronk doesn't have broken ribs. His x-rays came back clean that same night where he went out with and came back into that game. It was, no, it was really, they found broken ribs today. It was released today. What? What? He's out for at least three weeks. I didn't see that, and that's a yeah. fucking problem, potentially, because he's my starting tight end in uh, our money league. Aren't you glad I, we do this podcast? Well, I, I mean, I, I, well, I grabbed Cameron Bray, who ran 79% of the routes with uh, Gronk out, as opposed to O.J. Howard. But <clears throat> this... Yeah, I'm going to watch just because Tom Brady has been the, the, the cream of the crop of the NFL for pretty much my entire lifetime as an NFL fan. Mm-hmm. And he did it all with one team and then he left. And then his first year with a new team won a Super Bowl. And now that team's going in to face his, his nemesis, his old coach, Bill Belichick. I'm probably going to watch the first half. And when I watch the first half and it's 24, 28 to nothing at halftime, yeah, sure. Then I will cut it off. But I also don't see Tom Brady, like, letting up. 
No, I, I just I don't think this is going to be a very close game. I just it's oh, it's not going to be team a close is so much more talented. And and New England really needs to, to have any success offensively with the schemes they do. They need to be able to run the ball. And this is one of the toughest teams to run the ball against. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to happen, especially. Yeah. yeah, like Damian Harris is your lead running back, but James White is now out for the rest of the season. So good fucking luck. Like th- this, 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 this is not going to be a close game. I don't even want to know what the line is because the Bucks are going to win by 20. It's the line is only seven in favor of Tampa Bay. Yeah, like that's that's got to be. I mean, okay, again, you never know in the NFL. You really don't. I get it. This has to be the safest bet I can think of. One of the safest bets I can think of this week is is taking Tampa Bay to cover. Brady's Brady's gonna go out there and he's he's gonna beat the goddamn brakes off his old team and his former coach. Like just to remind him that Brady was the success behind the dynasty more than fucking Bill Belichick was. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, here's the thing: if a player is mo- has motivation, extra motivation to win a game, that's they can do a lot more to impact a game than the coach can. You know, what, what's Coach Belichick going to do? Coach extra hard? Fuck that. Tom Brady is going to be out there making making every fucking play he can, uh, you know, to, to show the Patriots that they, they should have had faith in him uh, being able to carry that team for a few more years. And, and had, had Gronk been active for this game, I would have said Brady throws for seven touchdowns and Gronk catches four of them. Right. Because yeah. – because Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick tried to tra- tried to trade Gronk to the fucking Lions before he initially retired. Right. Like, I I I, I would have loved to fucking see it, but no, it, this one's not going to be. It's going to be. It's it's got a great storyline. It's going to be. A, I understand why it is a prime primetime game, but no, this one's not going to be fucking close. And Brady is going to absolutely rub his nuts all over Belichick's fucking face. I think you're going to have a lot of people checking in to this game. And then at halftime, a lot of people checking out of this game. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to Monday night. Last game here on the docket. We got the Raiders and the Chargers. And man, this is the AFC um, division. Uh, AFC West, right? Yeah, this AFC West. They're giving the AFC West a run for their money as far as being the most competitive uh, uh, division. Fucking breaks. Let's pump the breaks a little bit. You got the bit. Raiders. They're 3-0. and You got the Chargers. They're 2-1. You have the uh, Broncos, 3-0. and And then you have the Chiefs currently sitting last place in this division at 1-2. and Okay. I, I agree with you. And I understand the arguments I made for the Broncos. And their defense is real. And all that shit. 0-9 is the combined record that they played against. I, I'm that, that's all I'm going to say, okay? And I don't – I I don't know. I think the Chiefs will right the ship. I think they will still end up winning that division. The, Chief, the Chargers will be the playoff team out of there, and the Raiders will fall off because that's what the Raiders do. Yeah, the, the Raiders falling off sounds like the most Raider thing for them to do, especially sure. John Gruden. Uh, but they look good, and they beat um, some decent competition so far. So their three and zero is a very re- deserved three and zero. Chargers have looked good, um, and then one thing that I was looking at too, because we were talking about Justin Herbert last week, and I had forgotten to bring this up. He's had, I believe, three touchdowns called back on penalties so far this year, 
And, yeah. and that's just, and when you're a quarterback, there's nothing you can do there. You're, you're making the right play. You're making the right read. Your team screws you. Um, Justin Herbert is such a talent and they were able to beat the, the chiefs last week. I think this is going to be a really fun game right now. Chiefs, uh, sorry, the chargers are three point favorites. The game is in LA. Um, a lot of Raider fans there, though. A lot of Raider. This is not going to feel like a true home game for the Chargers because there's a lot of Raider fans there in L.A. And I think this is going to be one of those where the stadium is going to be kind of like a 70-30, 60-40 type split. And you're going to see not a true home field advantage. I have a tough time picking this one, but I trust Justin Herbert more than I trust Derek Carr. So. Yep. I, I, this game could very easily go either way, but I'm going to take Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, um, and what the Chargers have got going on. I don't trust either coaching staff, by the way. I want to be, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> the, the Chargers did some really questionable things and, and, and en route to their, their win against the Chiefs. And John Gruden, you can never trust that motherfucker. Well, yes, they, I mean, they did questionable things, but, but they won. Not only did they win, and yes, like they would be questionable had they lost that game, but at the same time, the argument would be raised. Do you think if you don't go for it on fourth down and Patrick Mahomes gets the ball back, do you think you're going to see the ball again at the end of that game? Probably not. No, but they had the opportunity. They had uh, first down, 30 seconds. They could have, they had the opportunity to run the clock down and kick a game winning field goal versus. <laughs> Versus going for the touchdown pass, which they they converted, um, and then giving Patrick Mahomes, I think it was like 20-some-odd seconds there to do something. And the issue yeah. was that uh, they missed the extra point. That that was the real cherry on top. But that, that, yeah. that but then again, uh, if you want to be the play devil's advocate over here, the fact that the kicker missed the extra point tells you maybe that's why they didn't want to kick a game-winning field goal. Maybe the, the coaching staff knew something we didn't about what was going on with the kicker that day. Exactly. And, but, and that's the thing, like, I agree with you. I have way more trust. I'm not, I don't know how, who I want to chuck more of my praise onto for the Chargers one loss they have, uh, which came against the Cowboys because it wasn't necessarily an offensive spectacular day for either team. Um, But they were able to pick Herbert for two times. I'm, I'm going to take the Chargers. I, I, I believe Herbert right now is where Joey Burrow could be in like three years if his team, if his front office builds the team around him like they should. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, all, all the Chargers heard in the offseason was they had the worst rated O-line in the NFL last year. Well, all they did in the offseason was build their O-line. That's all they did. Yeah. Through the um, I mean, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's still a fucking stud. Mike Williams is finally playing like the number seven overall pick. He's finally playing, and now, now you've got all the pieces are falling together for the Chargers. Yeah. You have a good. You you have an RB one in Austin Eckler. You have a top ten offensive line. You not only now have one wide receiver, you have two wide receiver ones. As long as Mike Williams can stay healthy, that's been his, that's been his Achilles heel is that he could not stay healthy through, the, like through his season. 
Now I'm going to stress how important Mike Williams really is playing like a wide receiver one. And it's, it's kind of like the situation we have in LA where you have a Robert Woods and a Cooper cup who are both capable of being a wide receiver once you have, or Seattle, we have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, right? Uh, except I think that the ceiling and the floor for a Keenan Allen and Mike Williams pairing is even more so than those other duos that we discussed. Uh, they, they both have size and they're both guys that you can just, if you're in the goal line or in the, sorry, if you're in the, in, uh, in the red zone, and you can go, you can have them on opposite ends and you can just pick which one has the, the high, greater height disparity on, on their matchup and just throw the ball up. And you're probably, if you do that play enough times uh, on a first and goal, you're going to get a touchdown. It's going to, yeah. um, too much talent there. And then you got Austin Eckler too, like who is just one of the most dangerous guys. He's Christian McCaffrey light, right? Like he's like, I think that's probably the best the best analogy I can think of for him. Um, well, I mean, yeah, especially because you can't you, – you, you, he also gets hurt like McCaffrey too. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's, it's, it's not a bad comparison because he is good. McCaffrey, I, I feel like they're – in my opinion, their pass game equivalency is about the same. But McCaffrey's way more fucking damaging actually running the rock yeah. than – yeah. But I mean, I agree where you're going with that. Um, so we we got here three point line. I'm taking the Chargers to cover it. Yeah, I'm I'm also take the Chargers. I do. I love Justin Herbert. I trust him way fucking more than I trust Derek Carr because Derek Carr's got. I mean, Derek Carr has Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, it's kind of like a eh, like uh, Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is coming in. Henry Ruggs is coming into his own, and he okay. Derek Carr has also missed Henry Ruggs a couple of times when there, there it should have been an automatic touchdown. Um, he, he's had a couple of of deep bombs that he's just simply missed on Henry Ruggs with, and they, they should have been should have been scores. Um, I do think Henry Ruggs is coming in as a nice piece, but you're right in that they, he is no Keenan Allen. He is no Mike Williams. Um, you know, the, and Darren Waller is a fantastic talent in the tight end position, but you do need like, well, Hunter Renfro is, is, has been solid too, um, as far as a possession player. But it's so hit and miss. Like, right, right. Which rather have as a wide receiver pairing henry ruggs hunter renfro keenan allen mike williams absolutely no keenan allen mike williams and have the quarterback between the two teams right and then their tight end isn't bad either you know what i mean they have a decent tight end and and yeah he's a very he's a he can be a very solid i mean give you fantasy numbers especially but especially after you watch Justin Herbert last year with with Hunter Henry, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert not like targeting the tight ends. Like he's going to go for his wide receivers before anybody else because Hunter Henry should have been a top five tight end last year, but he never saw the target share or the, or the red zone share. Like bucks, but then yeah. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are the focal point of that offense. And, just, and Justin Herbert has an arm like he, this guy throws hard he slings that fucking ball down and when you have guys that are big on the outside that can make 20 30 yard plays you're going to target them a lot and that's what he does um give me the chargers in this one and 
I think that they're going to be, uh, yeah, those, both those teams are going to be three and one going out of that week. Let's look into the fantasy uh, side real quick. We have the, um, let's, let's start with who, who do you have to play this week? Who, who is like one guy that you have to play that maybe not everyone thinks to play a guy that's on the fringe of being like, you know, top 10 in the position. Okay. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be on the fringe of top 10, um, but I think he's being heavily undervalued and I am starting him in one of my leagues in place of an injured person is Tim Patrick, Tim Patrick in Denver, Tim Patrick was a viable fantasy option last year um but he is a it realistically coming into the season he in the depth chart was a wide receiver three wide receiver four well um now it is the Cortland sutton and tim patrick show mm-hmm. and because jerry judy went out and uh hamler went out as well yeah so and tim patrick putting up decent numbers even yeah. with or two now he is the wide receiver too and he is a he's a target favorite for um for teddy bridgewater and he he's a big body too and he 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 is a red zone threat i think as a wide receiver too in that offense with a less favorable matchup against baltimore because they do have a good good secondary i would say you can start him as a flex wide receiver three with a lot of confidence yeah yeah i agree uh i think the guy that you have to play this week um no matter what is uh jalen hurts with the eagles um against the chiefs i I think jalen hurts is going to get a lot of damage done uh on the grounds and i think this is going to be a game where it's going to have a game script where uh the chiefs are going to be putting up points and the eagles are going to have to you know be really moving the ball through the passing game a lot to keep up and whether Jalen Hurts is getting down with his arm or with his legs, I really like his ability to scramble on this Chiefs defense. That is very susceptible against the run and against extended plays. Um, give me Jalen Hurts all day. Is there someone you're staying away from that most people would be thinking to start? You are thinking about it. Mm. Well, let me go into let me go into what what I think is. Um, Maybe, maybe the guy uh, to avoid this week. And I'm, I'm, look, I love, I love Josh Allen. Like he is my favorite quarterback in the league. And I'm going to say right now, if you have a quality number two quarterback, I am very nervous. Josh Allen is going to, um, not be used utilized much after halftime or in the event that shit goes south and the Texans actually have a a close game against the bills. He's obviously that means he's having a shitty game. And so I, there's not a whole lot of game scripts that I see where I love Josh Allen. I think that in most cases you still have to start him, but if you have like, let's say you have a Matt Stafford uh, as your number two quarterback, I'd, I'd look at Matt Stafford over, over Josh Allen this week. Wow. I mean, most people took Josh Allen to be their QB one. And if they have a backup on their roster, I, it, 
I cannot imagine they have a more favorable matchup. So, I mean, I, 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 I appreciate the balls and I mean, it's not a bad take either, especially with how that great, that, that game script could go. Um, I don't oh, and any, any Patriots running back, stay the fuck away from this week. Well, goddamn, man. Yeah, sorry. That was, that was the other one I wanted to say, too. Damian like, Harris, I'm sorry. Like, I love the kid, but he um, – I no, not against the Bucks. Okay, so I will then – because you took mine, because Damian Harris was looking – Really popular play, especially with James White going out. Mm-hmm. He's not the guy, dude. Not against this Bucks defense. I'll give you another guy, and I'll actually I'll I'll pair it between the two because for whatever reason this team still likes to kind of try and split carries between running backs. Avoid Arizona. Chase Edmonds, James Conner. Don't mm-hmm. no. facing Rams front seven, dude. The, the Bucks could get absolutely nothing. They could get nothing going on the ground. And the Rams are going to get up, in my opinion, the Rams are going to get up quick. They're not going to be running the ball a whole hell of a lot. Chase Edmonds, I feel, may have a little more flex value in PPR. But if you're looking for rushing numbers or standard format, you're not going to find it in this backfield this week. Yeah, I think the only shot uh, Cardinals uh, running backs have having a productive week, um, and I really like your pick there, is if they they get lucky with some screen plays and uh, the Rams are maybe over over aggressive because I, I think that the Cardinals are going to be having be forced into throwing the ball a lot, and you, you just you don't have a whole lot of success trying to run at Aaron Donald. That that's just not usually ends well for most people. So. I, 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 I got to say, I, I agree with you there. Uh, sleeper pick, and I'm going back to the Bills. I think Zach Moss has to be a sleeper pick this week. Uh, I definitely think that there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him in the red zone, and I think that this is one of those games where if, if you're trying to, you know, have a good year, you're going to try to preserve your quarterback, especially a guy like Josh Allen who can be kind of reckless at times, and this is the perfect game. To if you're in the red zone, let, let's let's hand the ball off, or let's let's do some screen passes to our, our halfback. Let's keep our quarterback healthy, and um, I think Zach Moss uh, is going to vulture at least one touchdown this week against uh, who are they playing uh, against the Texans? <clears throat> and that's not a bad pick. Um, like like we said earlier, I think both. Both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss going into this week, I both have flex appeal up mm-hmm. and um, one of the two will flip flop into RB two, um, you know, territory. In my opinion, just based off the matchup and based off the game script, where I think they're going to be running the ball a lot, especially in the second half. Um, my sleeper pick, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Cameron Bright, man. Like I said it earlier when we were talking about the Tampa Bay, New England matchup, <clears throat> Gronk's obviously out and can't, and Tampa Bay has, I mean, their tight end group is as deep as you're going to find it in the NFL with Gronk, Cameron Bright, and OJ Howard. Um, when, 
Gronk went out last week when he initially got his ribs x-rayed and with Cameron Brait did see 79% of the offensive snaps as opposed to OJ Howard. Um, and I mean, you know, Brady, Brady loves finding his big targets in the red zone. That's why him and Gronk have 101 touchdown passes between the two of them. That might be wrong. I don't know. That that number might be fucking oh, I, wrong. I'm not allowed to check it. Um, but I feel like it's fucking close because they have. I do know that they have they have the record between a quarterback receiving duo in touchdowns in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and and Cameron Brait is like. You give him, you give him the Gronk elevated number of snaps. Like he's gonna get targets. He's mm-hmm. like the 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 New England Patriots. While you know they don't match up on paper as great as the Tampa Bay Bucks, they do have a Stephon Gilmore. They do have a good pass defense. So I think it's gonna force Brady a little bit more to go against the Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. Chris Godwin, I think Cameron Braid's going to get a decent amount of volume in this offense, and I think he could potentially. I, 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 I'm saying Cameron Braid puts up top ten tight end fantasy pr- production this week. I think, yeah, no, I agree. I think that a five, t- a five receptions, sixty yard, and a touchdown type game is very realistic for him. And that for tight ends, that is usually that does that is good until the lands you the top five usually most weeks. Um, all right, I want to I want to do one more thing real quick before we, we finish our podcast today. And I want to say, let's look at who's going to have a monster game this week. And I know we were talking about like, and I want to say different from like a favorite because this is a guy that you're obviously going to start. There's no question about it. Who is going to have the monster game now? I, and I know I sprung on this too, so I'm going to give you my guy that I think. And I, I can't wait to see the stat line for Derrick Henry this week. I think that the against the Jets against the Jets when their top two receiving options are already are already down and you, there is very little potential for them to really be trailing huge in this game there so they're just going to feed the ball off to Derrick Henry and he's probably going to have three touchdowns and like 200 yards I, I really think that's a very real possibility I think Derrick Henry is going to be the monster stat line of the week I I, I okay I'll tell you 100 percent that that stat line is completely within Derrick Henry territory. I, I absolutely believe that it, it's, it can absolutely happen. What I can also see is the Titans go up big and through the first three weeks, they have been Derrick Henry dependent. They could very well go into this because you got to remember there's an extra game added on to this season. This could be a game where they get up big early and go, okay, we don't have to kill a running back with 30 touches this game at halftime. If especially if they're up two scores at halftime, like no, we we can we'll, we'll do we can sit back with our RB two and just see what happens. But I mean, you're right, that could very well. And even and even if that were to be the case, I think that it's going to be more of a situation where going to the second half, they would be alternating maybe drives as opposed to just saying no more Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah. so running backs tend to still get involved um, a little bit in milking the, the clock, you know, so. 
going to take Derrick Henry at halftime and go, okay, go sit. Right, right. Not, he's not going to be if, – if they have a sizable lead, they're not going to turn to him and be like, okay, we're up three touchdowns. We need you to go carry the rock ten times on this next drive. No, no. They're, they're, they'll, they'll give him some time to rest, especially when you look at how how he- – I mean, it's not just how hesitant they were. It's Most teams now are hesitant to give running backs – big second contracts because running backs hit a plateau, especially running backs who take those type of numbers and those type of carries every single week. Typically their numbers decline. Now Derek Henry hasn't hit that plateau yet. And it might be due to his, I think a lot of it has to do with his size. Like he's not your typical, he's not your typical running back build, which is good for, but are you willing to, are you willing to roll the dice that he doesn't go out and take one too many hits or doesn't go out and get hurt in the second half in a garbage game against the Jets? Yeah. No, good point. Who you got for your monster stat? There, okay. There's, I mean, there's obvious names that you can pick. It's, uh, it's not going to be DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre is going to be covered. DeAndre's, I'm not saying DeAndre's going to throw up another three point stinker, but DeAndre's going to be covered by Jalen Ramsey the entire game. And Jalen, uh, I do think in that game there is someone who's going to have a monster stat line though. But it's on the other side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, but I. If you're making me pick, I'm going to roll with the hot hand, man. Cooper Cup. Yeah. I'm yep. Have yep. to. Like, Cause I've been like, I watched his first two games and I'm like, oh well, week three he should dip off, especially with a tough matchup. I, I get it. The, the like the Bucks secondary is depleted and, and they are dealing with injuries enough to the point where they brought in Richard Sherman. And Richard Sherman is active for this game coming four days off of being signed. I, I'm wait. I was waiting for the wheels to fall off. Like, oh yeah, he, he had a. Because you would watch like a year ago, two years ago, where Cooper Cup would have a big game, and then Robert Woods would have a big game, yeah. Yeah. and it would back and forth. Robert Woods has been so goddamn quiet through this season so far. Yeah, he's I, taking a step back. As yeah, I don't I see it changing this week. I I see Cooper. Cup finishing again this week as the wide receiver one. Yeah, I think a 150-yard, two-touchdown outing from him is very, very within the realm of possibility. I think the only person stopping Cooper Cup this week is probably Robert Woods if he decides to step up and have a big game, which he probably will at some point in the season. But um, I don't see the Cardinals stopping him. Maybe Robert Woods will. We've got one last guy I wanted to uh, say, and this is if you're looking to stream a quarterback, I like Jacoby Brissett a lot this week as a, a streaming quarterback. Um, I think I think he's coming out for a revenge game against a Colts team that is just <clears throat> not that good. They're not as good as adver- advertised. There's no – in a two-quarterback league, I absolutely understand yeah. what you're uh, In a single-quarterback league, not a chance. Like there's, there's no way that there are twelve other quarterbacks that have worse or less favorable matchups than Joe. True, and, 
But if you're if you're streaming a quarterback, then probably the twelve top fifteen quarterbacks in the league in most ten to twelve team leagues are going to be gone because you have some teams that have two quarterbacks and they have a, you know a, a solid number one and then a, a decent number two. Um, but I think that if you're looking for that that fifteen to thirty range of quarterbacks and you need to stream someone, I love Jacoby Brissett this week. Okay, and, and I agree, but I'm telling you. So here's my stance with it. <clears throat> two out of my four leagues that I'm in are money leagues. We have our money league, which is single mm-hmm. quarterback. Other money league is dual quarterback. Jacoby Brissett in our, in the two quarterback league is the top free agent available. Our single quarterback league. I grabbed Daniel Jones off the fucking waiver wire. Mm-hmm. There, there's a big, big difference. I agree with like, if, if you're sitting there in a two-quarterback league and you, you have a solid number one and you've got a number two where you're like, ah, who knows? Like if you're sitting there with a Baker Mayfield as your quarterback too and you go, okay, this could be a very run-dominant game like most Cleveland Brown games should be with the, quarter, or the running back tandem that they have. Yeah, yeah you, there's a, a very good case to be made for – for a Jacoby Brissett, one hundred percent. Yeah, in a single quarterback league, if you're going to roll with Jacoby Brissett, that's a fucking rip. Yeah, but I mean, I'm 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 talking about people who are looking. If you're streaming a quarterback in week four, it's because you clearly, clearly have weaknesses of that position. So, uh, Jacoby Brissett is. I think as good of an option as you can, if like the top 15 guys in the league aren't available, top 15 quarterbacks are no longer available. I get it. Um, if you're streaming, I, I think it's very likely a scenario. I, and I, I, I mean, I completely agree, but I think if you're in a single quarterback league and you're looking at week four and are, you're looking at Jacoby set as a viable starting option, I would just go ahead, especially if it's a keeper or, you know, keeper league or anything like that, I would just go ahead and just focus your plans on the number one overall pick the next year. Because if that's your number one guy in a single quarterback league, you fucked it all the way up. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, please don't tell me. Because I, I haven't looked at your fucking team. No, I don't have him. I don't have him. No, I, okay. <laughs> I have Jalen Hurts. I got Jalen Hurts this week. <laughs> You you gave me a look like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, like I'm uh, sorry. Uh, that was that was not my intent. Um, but man, yeah, I think uh, we we have discussed every game. We've uh, told you guys who we like on the fantasy. We told you guys who we're staying away from fantasy, and all that's left to do now is watch some football. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for this week. Uh, the afternoon window looks good. There's some great games in the afternoon window. I mean, morning window is always great because there's so many games in the morning window, but the afternoon windows can sometimes kind of suck. This week, it looks good. Looks really, every matchup looks really fucking good. Yeah, I'm excited for this week. All right, Tyler. Any, any, I'm going to ask you, you know, I got to ask you, any last words? So I'm, I'm just going to say this now not knowing how many listeners we have. Um, but next week I will not be available to participate in a podcast. I will be 
Friday, I'm driving from Kansas to Texas with my family in the fucking car. All day Saturday into set, like I'm going to be unpacking a U-Haul. So unfortunately, I will not be available. Um, which ultimately will lead me to the next available podcast will be week five. When our fucking teams face off against each other in our money league. Oh, that's right. but so like i mean it it is what is like we all got families man like i mean i'm flying i'm flying from texas to kansas on tuesday and then friday morning i'm loading my family up in a car and driving them down to our house where i am centrally located for the first time in my own fucking in my own house in almost seven months so super pumped about that and i'm super pumped about like getting my family back. Um, but I'm just going to be so, so filled with fucking just moving, unpacking everything. And not only that, my wife is over seven months pregnant. I got to get down here. Like my, my dance card is going to be filled a little bit, but what I will, what I am willing to, to do is if you decide to go ahead and do a podcast on your own, I will go ahead and text you my picks I will text you my sleepers, my upsets. I will participate in this podcast as much as I can. I just cannot. I, I, I'm telling you up front that I will not be able to actively participate in a podcast probably until week five. Yeah, that is perfectly understandable, Tyler. Good luck to you with your move. Hope everything goes uh, safe and smooth. Uh, moving is always very stressful, and obviously we – uh, definitely wish you get some time to reunite with your uh, very pregnant wife, who I'm sure right about now is uh, probably wishing that you were like, you know, home instead of being, you know, deployed and whatnot, uh, no. uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> with all your army commitments. So I bet she's excited to get some time, spend some time with you as well. So Tyler, you have a great night. Everyone else. Good night, and uh, we uh, will. Uh, I will try to launch this back next week. So we'll 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 still we'll still do this, and we'll, we'll talk about what Tyler's picks are then. And meanwhile, have a great Sunday, everyone, and enjoy some football. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.